Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the program on SEN 1170 AM Sydney. Wherever you're tuned in across the SEN network, here we go. For a very busy Tuesday morning as the countdown now really starts to wind up towards the start of the NRL season. But we've got live cricket on at the moment. And it's pretty interesting there between England and New Zealand. Just got underway, but already two uh, English wickets have fallen this morning. I'll pose a pretty interesting question for you on that and give you a score update in just a sec. But it's quite fascinating the way that this is going to play out. Day five of the test. Yep, you heard that correctly. We've gone to a test with a fifth day and uh, this whole basball phenomenon is really going to come to the fore today or perhaps New Zealand strike back. More on that in just a sec. Uh, The weather for our Sydney listening area today, cloudy 27 will be the top for the city and tops of 29 in our West. West Tigers fans, make sure you stick around. In fact, Penrith fans, maybe Manly fans, South Sydney fans, because he's been to all clubs and now he'll be leading the charge at the West Tigers. I'm talking about Appy Corusau. He'll be my special guest early this morning. His first year, obviously, at the Joint Venture Club. He'll be leading this new era under Tim Sheens and Benji Marshall. It all starts for them on Sunday against the Titans at Leichhardt. So what's the reception going to be like? Tigers fans, how are you going to greet Appy, especially after the, uh, the semantics of last season? How are you going to greet him? Is there a little bit of a spray and then a big welcome? Because it's going to be interesting to watch this one play out. His 10th year in the NRL, three-time premiership player. He's done it all. He's now 30 years of age. So what's the goal for Appy Corusau at the Tigers? Who are the players that have impressed him the most? How do you build a brand new spine? He's played with some of those players before, but how do you start that relationship knowing that it could well be the key to success for the season. And what's the secret source? If you're a player like Happy Corusau, you've been in the system for the last three years at the Penrith Panthers. You know what? In the last three years, he has lost less games in three years combined than he did the season before that at Manly. He, he only lost seven games in total when he was out there for the Penrith Panthers over the last three years. So there's got to be a secret source. When you come from a club like that, go to a club like the West Tigers, you name the captain, you've got all that experience. Surely other players and those out there in the system will turn around and say to somebody like Happy, give me the secret. How do they build it? What do they do out there? What did you take away from it? Looking forward to that chat with Appy Corusau. So two days before the season starts, some of the other issues burning around rugby league. Well, Craig Bellamy has confirmed that this will be his last year in charge at the Melbourne Storm. Watch this on NRL 360 last night. It's no great surprise, but it's just, I, I guess it's, it's more dominant when the man himself just says it pretty clearly. He admitted that after what will be his 21st year in charge at the Storm, his time will be up. 
And, you know, I'm pretty sure this is going to be me last year as a head coach. You know, I'll still be around the club a little bit in a part-time role, you know, at the end of this year. I'm not quite sure when the club, you know, want that definite answer. But, um, yeah, like I say, you know, I want to give them plenty of time, you know, to find a new coach and um, can't see anything changing this year into me not retiring at, at the end of the year. So pretty adamant that this is it, but obviously hasn't officially told the club, but the club know what's going to happen at the end of 2023. I think we can put a line under it, folks, that Craig Bellamy's last full-time season in the NRL as head coach will be this year. So a couple of questions then go begging. Who takes over? Have a look at the assistant role, uh, assistant coaching roles at the Melbourne Storm. Mark Brentnell, Aaron Bellamy, Ryan Hinchcliffe, Todd Lowry, all sitting there as assistant coaches. And you know the Melbourne Storm, they're not going to make a decision willy-nilly. They'll have plenty of time to know what to do next. And there will be a whole stack of coaches, head coaches, previous head coaches, assistant coaches all putting their hand up. It's a tough gig. You're going into a heck of an organisation and a winning culture, but you're going in after Craig Bellamy. Have you got any thoughts around that? Would you put your hand up for that gig in 2024? knowing what the Storm can offer and do offer? Or do you go, I might just sit this one out and wait till the next one comes around if you're in the job market for a head coaching role, knowing that it's going to be damn hard to follow somebody like Craig Bellamy. Although, on the flip side of that, what he just said there, I'll still be around the, uh, the club in some capacity. He'll stay on as a consultant, perhaps. Brent Reid made a good point last night. When you look for the future of Craig Bellamy, and the future says family, there's no doubt about it, but it's very hard to take that coaching side out of him. That's what he does. That's what he's been living and breathing. He loves being around the dynamic of a footy team. So Reedy posed the question, well, what if New South Wales want to make a move after this year on Brad Fittler? Would you have Craig Bellamy in your frame as coach of the Blues from next season, perhaps? Remember back in 2008-2010, he coached nine games along the way there for New South Wales. He was on a hiding to nothing, essentially, because of the dynasty that he faced. He lost seven and won two. Would you put Craig Bellamy back in the frame for a New South Wales job, for instance, in the coming years if they make a change? Also spoke of rebuilding the leadership group down there at the Melbourne Storm and the key. What I think is going to be one of the absolute keys to the storm season in 2023, the return of Ryan Pappenhausen. We've covered this at length and you know what? We still don't know when he's going to come back because here's what Craig Bellamy said last night. They don't know. Been hard for, for Paps. You know, he'll be back at some stage. You know, I, I think best case scenario would be six to eight weeks, you know, perhaps 10 weeks. No guarantees there anywhere. It's just a matter of, um, you know, hopefully, you know, things going right and then it improves quickly. But um, as I said, you know, we're not, we're certainly not going to push him and, and take any chances. We're going to make sure he's 100% before uh, before he gets back to playing and training. Gee, it's a concern. It's got to be a concern for Storm fans, not only the fact that Pappenhausen's not due back anytime soon, six to eight, maybe 10, maybe even later than that. He still hasn't hit the ground literally running. He, he is running in water at the moment. So no impact on that leg that was the patella smashed to smithereens. So the discussion that Matty Johns and myself had yesterday around, sure, Pappenhausen's not part of the picture at the moment. There are players that have left. We know that, but they've covered that before. 
But what happens if somebody else steps down? What happens if an injury comes along to one of the other key players for the Melbourne Storm? The Sydney Morning Herald report this morning from Andrew Webster on the Roosters seeking salary cap relief for Angus Crichton. So the report here is, of course, Angus Crichton continues treatment for mental health issues. It's been uh, recently confirmed that he was diagnosed with bipolar, um, reportedly earning $750,000 this season. So the CEO of the Roosters, Joe Kelly, approached the NRL head of integrity, Jason King, on the matter, and it will end up going if they decide to take it down that way to the salary cap order to Matt Faulkner. NRL CEO Andrew Abdo said it's a challenging one, and it is. He said it's an injury like any other injury. In the past, we haven't given salary cap relief. But if there's an appropriate approach and it's discharged in terms of a suitable specialist, it can be looked at. So it can be looked at, but it is a challenging one. I don't know how far they're going to get down the line here in terms of salary cap relief, but it's a a fascinating situation that they're in. And I mean, in terms of the public perception on this, you throw roosters, you throw salary cap relief, and you throw what happened yesterday with Spencer Lenu announcing that he's leaving the Panthers. Destination more than likely will be the Chooks. It just starts to not sit well in the court of public opinion. So we can debate all day we like whether or not the roosters uh, are blowing the salary cap, whether they're working it well, whether their club connections are what really matters when you're a player there who takes under because you're going to be exposed to good businessmen and women at the back end of the of your career. Is it just time, folks, the NRL just open the books? Do we just open the books? Settle this argument once and for all. We've got all sorts of numbers floating around. The Rugby League Players Association won't want that to happen and the players themselves probably don't want it to happen. But in the interests of this court of public opinion getting itself completely wound up in the world of salary cap and who's doing what, does the NRL just come flying over the top here and say, look, we're a salary cap run organisation. This is how we play the game. If there's no salary cap, no need to open the books. But we play under a cap. And they're the rules that the game is governed by. Would you be happy, fans, if you just opened the books? And if you're a player, would you be happy to have your number out there in black and white? There's speculation galore. It's a very, very different scenario to your everyday business world. Rugby league doesn't operate like that. I was once told, never tell anyone how much you're getting paid. Just don't do it. Let them speculate. It doesn't work for good. It doesn't work for bad sometimes. It just doesn't work. But we don't operate under a salary cap. Would you be happy if the NRL just came flying over the top here and opened the books? Would that finally settle your argument? Or do we trust the auditing situation? And do we stop perhaps questioning the integrity of the salary cap auditor and his job, Matt Faulkner in this case? That's why he's there. Do we have to trust in his ability to do the job? We've got a Twitter poll running on our Twitter page, at Matty White, SEN, on player salaries. Do you want them to open the books or not? Let us know your thoughts on that one. Of course, team list Tuesday today. So 4 o'clock, folks, here we go this afternoon. The boys will bring you all the team lists as they drop. But we know that Reese Walsh is set to miss round one for the Broncos. I'm tipping a massive year for Reese Walsh, a very big year. So this will be a big out. And, of course, they've got the Panthers first up. He's got a fractured cheekbone, Selwyn Cobbo. Pretty handy. Move him to fullback, and that's where he will play round one. 
So he suffered the injury, Walsh, in the trial game against the Titans, and he'll miss at least the first round. But it adds to a host of stars that will be out for the opening round of the season. Get this. Now, we're going to throw some monetary figures alongside of this just for hits and giggles, so to speak. But there are some very notable players who won't be taking part in round one. Walsh out with his uh, cheek injury. Nico Hines missing from round one. Angus Crichton, as I mentioned. John Bateman won't get the first match done for the West Tigers, we're being told. Ryan Pappenhausen won't be there for the Storm. Ryan Madison serving his suspension. Sean Lane with that nasty jaw injury. Taylor May won't be there for Penrith. Josh Schuster won't be there for Manly against the Bulldogs with a calf injury. So of just those nine players, if we have a look at how much money we think is sitting on the sidelines, it's more than $4 million worth of talent. Out for round one. Only early days. A long way to go for this season to start. But who's the biggest out, do you think, for round one? Whose absence will have the most impact on their team looking for the opening win of the season. Walsh, big out for the Broncos. Hines, massive out for the Sharks. Some big outs for the Roosters, obviously. Pappenhausen missing and will be for the Storm for a while. Madison, Lane, Taylor May missing for Penrith. Does that make a big difference to their chances? And Josh Schuster showed some very good form in the uh, trial match for Manly in the preseason challenge matches. And it looks as though Cooper Johns will get that start alongside Daly Cherry Evans. Who's the biggest out for round one out of those names that we know and whose absence will have the most impact? 0457 736 736 is the text line or 1300 01 1170 is the open line. Now in cricket, Australia v India, the third test. We know that Paddy Cummins won't be there. Uh, starts tomorrow, full coverage on SEN from 2.30 in the afternoon. Mitchell Stark is ready to rumble. He's ready to go. He'll continue to play with some soreness as he recovers from that finger injury. But how much of a difference is this going to make to see Mitch Stark back in the firing lineup? Yeah, always right to go. There's going to be a, a level of discomfort for a while. It's not, um, I don't think it's going to be 100% per se for, for, for a fair while. But um, yeah, certainly good enough. The ball's coming out quite nicely and, and I feel like it pretty much at full, full tilt. So it wouldn't be the first test match I've played in some sort of discomfort. If I only played when I was 100%, I'd probably play about five or ten tests. So, no, look, it's, it's uh, happy with where it's at. And, and um, I guess I've got enough of a pain threshold to, to deal with that sort of stuff over, over the last 10, 10 or 12 years. Yeah, not his first rodeo playing with an injury. And when you're at the stage of the career that Mitchell Stark is, he's been there, seen that, done that before. So let's see how he goes as he recovers from that finger injury and will get a lot of bowling. He'll, of course, have Steve Smith as his captain now over in Wellington folks this is getting really interesting so stay with us throughout the morning because I think you're going to enjoy this wild ride day five of the test match England v New Zealand so let's set the scene for you England come out they score eight declared for 435 in the first innings they scored it basically five runs and over yes baseball full swing New Zealand come out get rolled for 209 and England send them back in their second innings, New Zealand finished at 483 with Kane Williamson knocking 132. So now, now, guess what? Another wicket has just fallen. England started the day one down. They are now five down because another wicket has just fallen. Brooke out for a golden duck. And New Zealand are on the verge here of rolling England 
who now need 190 runs, 178 runs they'll need from here on in to haul back this total and continue with their kind of form. But New Zealand are making a massive fist of it. So four wickets have fallen this morning for the English team who really just needed to score at a plod. Their run rate expected for the day was just over two. As I mentioned, they've been scoring at more than 4.9. So five runs is their run rate that they've been operating at. If they stayed out there, chances are they haul in the total and they get another test win. But the wickets have been coming thick and fast this morning. So Zach Crawley fell yesterday. He was out for 24. Uh, Ollie Robinson, first to go this morning. Ben Duckett followed him. That made it three for 59. Ollie Pope went a short time ago. In fact, four for 80. Pope gone for 14. And Harry Brook has come out, and he has been run out. Um, so he's gone for a duck, and the score at the moment is five for 80. Enter Ben Stokes. So Stokes comes out. Uh, the other not-out batsman is Joe Root, who's on six. So England needing 178 runs to win. I was going to pose you the question, do they get it done before we're off air this morning? Because uh, it started just before we came on air 20 minutes ago. And I was going to give them three hours to see if England could get it done. Now I'm going to throw this question at, can New Zealand roll England before we get off air this morning? They're five wickets down. Are we up for a Ben Stokes incredible innings to save this test match? Or will this be one for the ages from New Zealand who fought back and fought back well? We'll keep you posted with that. We've also got some plenty uh, of good giveaways to uh, throw out there at you this morning. A $50 Bunnings voucher. Thanks to WD40, you can register online for the Repair Challenge 2023 for a share in more than $15,000 in prize money and a Signet Boost power bank on the line as well. So for the Bunnings voucher, fo- uh, voucher folks, hit me up on the open line. one three hundred oh one eleven seventy is the open line number. That's how you'll win that Bunnings voucher, 50 bucks at Bunnings. And I want your thoughts on what Craig Bellamy should do next. Would you be the coach to step on in? Is it time for the NRL to open the salary cap books and just end this argument once and for all. one three hundred oh one eleven seventy 1170 is the open line. Be in the running for the $50 Bunnings voucher. Appy Coruscant will be my special guest this morning. We're underway on this Tuesday morning right here on SEN, your home of sport in Sydney. Welcome back. England are in the hands of Joe Root and Ben Stokes. Uh, they're 5 for 82. The target is 258. So another 176 to go. But Root made 150 not out, 153 not out in the first innings. Harry Brook, who scored 186 in the first dig, gone for a duck run out without facing a ball. And now they're in the hands of Root. Eight not out. Stokes yet to score after five deliveries. Plenty of time. Plenty of time, but they appear to be in a hurry, thick edge from Root, and it's gone in between the gap just outside of second or third slip and to the fence. So some chances galore. In fact, four wickets already falling, eight, uh, five for 86, the English chasing 258 to win. Let's go to the open line, one three hundred oh one eleven seventy. Good morning to you, Steve. Player salaries, open the book or not? Well, yeah, but I'm sick to death of hearing about market value. Market value is a fallacy, mate. It's just an artificial figure that's created by third parties. Like, 
at the end of the day, the market value is what you can get for something. So I'm the player, I want a million dollars. The club says, well, we're going to give you 600, take it or leave it. If the market value is a million dollars and you take the 600, guess what? The market value is 600. Mm. So all this conjecture about clubs paying overs or whatever, the only way it will happen, the only way that you will get to the bottom of it is to open up the um, open up the books, absolutely. But this market value talk just doesn't help the situation. The other thing that you just mentioned there um, is third party. So third party arrangements are absolutely key. Now, um, Brandy and Vossi spoke about this this morning, and, and you don't know, this is this is the, the hidden gem if you're a rugby league player. You get your 600 in, in your instance there, Steve. So you get your 600,000, but then you can go off and do your third-party arrangement deals, which are separate to the club. So it, even if we open up the books on the salaries uh, of players, and all it will do is just settle an argument of whether or not under that arrangement – a club is under or over the salary cap. That's all it will do. But then we don't know and we won't know how much they're getting from a third-party agreement. Oh, absolutely. So unless the third parties come into the calculation, the salary cap as it is, is a waste of time. Like I remember, I remember going to watch Parramatta on the Hill back in the 70s and the lower-grade players, I don't think it was the first-grade players, but the lower-grade players, everyone was individually sponsored. You know, like yeah. Teddy Solkowitz running around in second <laughs> grade was sponsored by Maryland's RSL or a really young Graham Atkins was sponsored by Toon Gabby Bowling Club or something yeah. like that. So you can't tell me there wasn't a Chinese meal or a carton of beer. <laughs> and there was no salary cap back then. Yeah, that's right. You know what? That's that's the lovely part of rugby league, mate. The, the Chinese meal and a and a carton of beer, or that's that's rugby league to its core. I'll throw you back to Tommy, Steve. Stick around, mate. We'll send you out a Bunnings voucher uh, for 50 bucks. thanks to WD40. I know you're a man on the land, like to do a lot of work, so we'll do that happily. Thank you for listening in. one three hundred oh one eleven seventy. 1170 Here's the news with Vanessa. West Tigers start their campaign against the Gold Coast Titans this Sunday at Leichhardt Oval. It's a new era at the Tigers. And leading the charge, this man, Appy Corusau, joins us. Good morning, Appy. Hey, mate, how you going? I'm good. How does that feel? New era and you're the man leading the charge. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, um, so I guess it's pretty cool to hear, but um, yeah, I think I'm more excited about the season than anything. Especially with your experience, where do nerves fit in with this new leadership role? You're the captain of the club now. It's it's all brand new. So do you have any nerves going into round one in the season ahead? Yeah, I guess... Um... More than nerves, just because it's a new club. Um, you know, I really want to put my best foot forward for the lads. And, um, yeah, that's pretty much where most of the nerves come from. Other than that, um, yeah, it's probably just business as usual, you know. You, you're playing footy. There's another footy field with another team. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty excited about that. Have you tried to focus on on anything different in the preseason? Yeah, um, I guess, like, every time you start with a new club, it's pretty much just all about combinations. Um, trying to fit into the game plan, you know, the coach has a certain vision, and you know, just trying to get as much done for him as possible. So, um, yeah, that's probably that's probably the biggest focus, you know, coming here and starting this season. Well, let's talk about the coach or the coaches because Tim Sheen's now in control. Of course, you've spent the last three years under the watch of Ivan Cleary in that setup at the Panthers. But how much of a change, Appy, has that been personally for you to get to adjust to Tim, to Benji, and to Robbie as well? Yeah, look, it's um. 
it's always something different, you know. Um, everyone has a different personality and there's so many different kinds of coaching and, and coaching ideas. And um, Yeah, it hasn't taken me too much to get used to. Yeah, I've, I've understood how Tim's played in the past and, you know, just judging by the way he coached back in 2005, 2000, I think it was 11 or whenever he finished up, it's, yeah, it's it's one of those things where you just get used to pretty quickly. You're in and around the place and you're learning off him all the time. So, yeah, you just adjust and um, obviously they've got different coaching styles to what I've been used to, but um, I'm actually quite enjoying this one. You've come from a place, Happy, that has just um, been the benchmark, as you well know, for the last, well, the last three years in particular and, and back-to-back premierships off it. You know you've only lost seven games in the NRL in the last three years. So when you turned up at the West Tigers, did you get a sense that people are looking at you going, how do we, what do we take out of Appy? What do we learn from him being around such a big winning culture? Yeah. <laughs> even when you say that, that doesn't really sound real. <laughs> um, yeah. Look, the last three years has been um, incredible uh, with the Panthers. And like you said, you know, it was, it was the benchmark of the competition. And, um, you know, when I, when I got here, it was, it was um, it was pretty good, to be honest. I, I didn't feel like I was under any pressure or whatnot to, to be the leader or anything like that, you know. The, the guys here were in a good good place. And I think um, the new coaching staff, the new change, a few new players, I think everyone just sort of got a lift out of that. And, um, yeah, just just the way it's been so far, it's been hard to tell if, if they're actually looking at me like that. So uh, I'm quite enjoying this. Um, it's been just like coming into another place and, you know, having all your friends here. Is there one particular thing, though, that you could look, if you reflected on your time at Penrith in particular, that you could look at um, the, the winning culture and what you derive from that? So is there one thing that personally you have grown um, within from that experience and been able to take into the next phase of your career? Yeah, yeah. I think um, one of the biggest learning because I've had while at Penrith was understanding that the, the process is more important than the win. Um, you know, focusing on, on the end result is usually going to, you know, cost you in the game because then you're not present. So, um, if anything, that's probably the biggest thing I'm trying to, you know, bring here. It doesn't matter about winning or losing. What matters is, you know, winning each moment on the field um, and understanding that that's going to help you the most in getting the results at the end of the day. Then there's the noise, Appy. You've been around rugby league long enough to know that there's there's always noise at a club. And this is very different noise that you're coming oh. into because the West Tigers are always in the headlines and for very different reasons to where you've been. How have you put that into perspective of what's ahead of you? Yeah, look, I think um, some of those headlines have been my, my fault as well. <laughs> but um, at the end of the day, you know, every club has got their, their headlines. Um, and it's really all about understanding that winning footy games is going to solve everything. You know what I mean? Um, it doesn't matter, you know, what's really happening. As long as we're, we're doing our job on the field and making sure that we're playing our best and putting our best foot forward, um, you know, that's going to solve a lot of the problems and a lot of the headlines. So, um, yeah, I think the boys are up for the task too. How different is the Appy Chorus? Now, this is your 10th year in the NRL, so you're now 30. <laughs> How different is the Appy, the player at 30 years of age, versus the the 20-year-old essentially that stepped in with your first season at the Bunnies? Thanks, mate. Making me sound old now. <laughs> um, no, it's um, yeah. Look, to be honest, it's chalk and cheese. You know, when you're that young, or when I was that young, you know, I was really happy just to be around um, the NRL boys, um, thinking that you know I'd made it just because I played an NRL game, and um, to to come to a point where I am now, where Everything is about getting better. Everything's about you know, trying to win footy games and how do we do that? Uh, understanding tactics and strategies, 
um, yeah, to be honest, it, it, you wouldn't even recognise me as, as a 20-year-old. You're the leader. You're also the man in the middle. Have you formed a little spine club with Dane at the back, Adam Dwayne and Luke Brooks around the halves? And you know the importance of that combination. So what have you done in the preseason to try and build that camaraderie between you and those three players in particular? Yeah, um, look, Brooks is, Brooks is very open. Um, you know, he was, he was very involved in the straightaway as soon as I got here. Um, Adam, I had to work on a little bit. It was funny. Um, he was more just sort of coming back from a you know, big injury and he was trying to work his way in. So, yeah, I made some uh, little jokes. <laughs> started between me and him, which is good. Um, that's really good, that camaraderie. And then, obviously, don't know I play with that Penrith. So, um, yeah, look, we've been working pretty hard this preseason. Uh, the boys are working really hard. And, um, yeah, I think it's all just going to come down to how well we can pull it off on the field, which I'm pretty confident about. And you take on some of the other new signings at the club. David Clemmer's arrived. Isaiah Papali'i's there. John Bateman's now there. Won't be there for round one. But you've got some some very good names coming into the club. So you take on the other signings? Yeah, mate. Oh, look, it's um, they're incredible. You know, every everyone's come here and they've played a role in how this preseason's gone. And just the professionalism of these lads that have come in. Ice and Clemmer, you know, really leading from the front. You know, Johnny's just come in, but you can already tell he's a really good guy and obviously he's a great player. So I think um, everyone's going to add a little something to this team and, uh, you know, get us to where we need to go this year. And then outside of all of that, Appy, there's the fans, the West Tigers fans. So you, you had to come off the bank back fence to try and win their support back. <laughs> <laughs> Are you ready to rumble? Are you ready to cop it in both directions when you get out there at Leichhardt on Sunday? Obviously, they're going to be in your corner now. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah, no, definitely, mate. Um, you know, it's been a long time for these fans to be able to cheer about something. So, um, look, we're all pretty confident about this year, but at the end of the day, yeah, like you said, I'm probably run out there and uh, cop spray then and cheers. So we'll see how that goes this weekend. Is finals footy a realistic expectation of the Tigers in 2023? Oh, yeah, definitely, mate. Um, speaking about how belief works, you know, you gotta you got to build that. So um, at the end of the day... Finals footies is, is in September, and right now we're only in February, so... Oh, even March. Are we in March? Yeah, yeah good, I should probably know that. <laughs> almost. We're almost. Mate, it's the last day of February, so all you've got to worry about... You there don't have you to go. worry about the dates, just worry about the days, and the day is Sunday <laughs> afternoon. Good on you, Happy. Thanks for your time. All the best for the season ahead. A, a massive challenge and a very different direction in your career. Um, we wish you all the best. Thank you so much, Matt. Cheers. Thanks for having me. Now, this test match between England and New Zealand, Ben Stokes, Joe Root at the crease. And Joe Root is playing it like a one-day match. He's 32 off 31. He's been charging down the wicket, hitting sixes and fours. So England five for 107. The target is 258. So they need another 151. Stokes is not out one and just survived a close chance there. But he's faced 16 balls. Joe Root doing the mountain of the work as I mentioned. So five for 107, chasing 258 as the target on the final day. That early rush of wickets that New Zealand took, Robinson gone, Duckett out, Pope gone, and Brooke run out. Well, they've tried to stem the flow a little bit. Who are you backing in on this one? It's been a while since we've been to day five. We've had to pose this question. Are you backing the English to get it? Or can New Zealand hold their nerve and get five more wickets and claim the upset win. Let's go to the open line. one three hundred oh one eleven seventy. 01 1170 Listening to us in Ipswich this morning. EJ, good morning, EJ. Hey, buddy. How you doing, mate? Great, thanks, mate. Uh, what do you want to talk about? NRL, two days away. Yeah, well, start, 
salary cap thing with the Roosters and all the rest with, with all the Rooster fashion, like, um, I mean, like, if they were over the cap, with all the noise going on and all the rest of it, surely the NRL would have been onto it by now. And, like, nobody cared about it when they had a 27-year drought between 75 and 02. Nobody cared. But as soon as they start winning, that's when people start whinging about it, you know? Mm. Um, and with the Craig Bellamy thing, look, if he retires this year, why wouldn't a team, say, like the Dragons or something, that were having dramas, like, throw everything they got them just for two years, just say, mate, come up here, we'll give you... <laughs> a few mil just to get this space sorted out. <laughs> yeah, I, I reckon you could throw that to a lot of clubs, EJ. It's it's a good question. I mean, I, I think it's pretty clear that Bellamy's going to stay within the Melbourne Storm system in some way, and I also reckon that I, I don't know, I don't, I don't know, I don't know the guy personally, and I don't know his bank balance, but I'm pretty sure that at this stage of his career and what he's done and how much he's been paid, that money. Isn't isn't really the driving factor. I, I'm certain from what I read, see, and hear that family is. So whatever he does next will go around family first and footy second, which has been the flip side for so many years. But it's a it's a pretty good question. Let me ask you this: If you were a, a coach and you're about to, you know, make your way into the NRL, and somebody said, "Hey, come along to the Melbourne Storm here and be the guy after Craig Bellamy," would you think twice? You'd think twice, but you'd have to go for it. Like, if you want to be in that spotlight, you're going to have to take the jump sooner or later. Yeah, nah, really good point. Really good point. Appreciate it, EJ. Thanks for calling this morning, mate. Cheers, mate. Thank you. Have a good day, and thanks for tuning on in. one three hundred oh one eleven seventy 1170 is the open line number. Um, just in regards to that point around the salary cap, the NRL salary cap and the audit process that takes place, and we'll do a little bit more digging, but Matt Faulkner is the man in charge of that now. And when all this started yesterday, I mean, it's a constant, and we know that. And in rugby league, it's always going to be a constant. It won't be rugby league the day that we stop talking about the sombrero. That's just part of the fabric of the game. But it did make me think yesterday, what about the audit process here at the NRL? And in questioning things like the Roosters... And I think those questions are absolutely genuine and do need to be asked. But you're also by proxy questioning the professionalism and the integrity of the audit process itself and the people who are running it. So I think we've got to just tread a little bit carefully around that. I absolutely agree that questions need to be asked and it doesn't look good when you've got all these players and how do you fit them all underneath? Something that Brave Thanasta said last night, and I heard it again this morning on the Brecky Show about... Look, one of the secrets about the Roosters and one of the favourite parts uh, about being a player going to the Roosters is what they can offer you post-career as well and the network that you're exposed to and, you know, some of the big names in the world of business and those connections that go on after you've been a player. Well, yes, but that can be said for almost every club. I mean, if you scratch the surface of pretty much any club, regardless of what they've been up to or the situation they've been in or the drama or the success or the failure that they've had over the last couple of years or last decade, you'll find business people in there across the board, high, high level business people who can offer that kind of stuff that the Roosters can offer as well. So I take Braith's point on that, but they're not, they're not alone in that department. And just a little scratch. Sometimes you don't even have to just have a little scratch. You'll see some of the biggest names out there that can open doors well and truly after your career. To me, that comes back down to the player it's himself and how he wants to essentially cash in, pardon the pun, 
on what you can get out of the club and those around you. That's part of the networking fabric of the game. Joe Root, 32 not out. Ben Stokes, one not out. England, five for 107, chasing 258. So Root's taking the basball approach. He's going, we're going to score quickly. They've pushed a couple of cheeky singles here. Stokes yet to get going. So New Zealand have got a spring in their step after taking four wickets. England trying to steady the ship, but they're not slowing down. They've got all day to do this. They've got all day to go. What do they need? Another 151? And they've got 98 overs throughout the course of the day to get it done. Another single, that'll get Root to 33. Do they push for a second? No. So they take just a comfortable single there, five for 108. 0457 736 736 is the text line. Daniel from Prairiewood says, Matty, in terms of transparency, salaries and TPAs must be made public. Otherwise, the rumour and innuendo by both media and fans alike continues and clubs like the Roosters, he says, get tarred with the brush of rorting the cap. Making salaries and third-party agreements public dispels the guesswork and gives clubs, players and the NRL credibility. As a side note, it would also bring a greater level of accountability for players to live up to their price tag. Pressure is a privilege, as they say. Thank you, Daniel. One three hundred oh one eleven seventy is the open line. Scott Bailey's going to join us a little bit later on in the program, so we'll get the latest in NRL news from Scotty Bailey from AAP. What did you think of Appy Coruscant? My chat there. If you missed it, catch up on our podcast. Just search your favourite podcast platform. Uh, mornings with Matt White. He was terrific. Full of energy, he always is. There's a lot of expectation and a lot of pressure, not only on the fact that he's at the club like the West Tigers. He's now the captain, but he's part. He's he's the spine. He's right there with Brooks, Dwayne, and Dane Laurie at the back. So it's a triple whammy for Appy Coruscant. But he's been around long enough now and had the success enough at enough clubs to know how to play how to play the game. Didn't sound to me as though it was weighing down on him too heavily. Back after this break. Oh, I'm going to be a cricket correspondent this morning, folks. Uh, five for 116, England chasing 258 as a target to win this test match in Wellington. Joe Root is doing the bulk of the scoring. He's just picked up another single, so he'll move to 38, and that makes it five for 117 at the end of the over. Ben Stokes now five of 20 deliveries. He has copped some wicked balls, and... His one and only boundary so far has come off a thick edge that climbed up on him. Uh, The keeper got a glove to it. Blundell got a glove to it, but it went over the slips and straight to the fence. So it's tough going for one. And meanwhile, Joe Root at the other end, the former skipper of the English outfit, is piling on the runs. Five for 117. Have you got him in or you're back? Who are you backing in on this one? Why don't you let me know that? A busy second hour of the program. Make sure you stay tuned. Got a Signet Boost Power Bank to give away. Steve has taken home our $50 Bunnings voucher this morning. Thanks to WD40. We'll have more of those to give throughout the week. So stay tuned. A very big second hour of the program coming up. So stick with us. 0457 736 736 is the text line. Or you can call anytime. 1300 01 1170 right here on The Morning Show. Welcome back to the second hour of the program. Coming up, 
still to come on the program, rather, the host of the global game right here on SEN, Simon Hill. We'll talk football with Simon and Scott Bailey from AAP with the latest in the rugby league world as we count down towards the season start. Two days to go. If you missed it, my chat with Appy Corusau ahead of the West Tigers opener uh, on Sunday at Leichhardt Oval. You can find that on our podcast. So just uh, search Mornings with Matt White and you can find that uh, interview with Appy Corusau. Great to chat with him in cricket. England v New Zealand is is just scintillating. Uh, it is like watching the last couple of overs of a T20 match, but it's the final day of the Test match. So England chasing 258 to win. They're currently five for 120. Ben Stokes is copying deliveries from Matt Henry that is just making his head scratch. I mean, they're going left, right, centre, over, under the whole works. He's five off 22. Joe Root, who scored 153 not out in the first innings, is currently 41 not out. Australia play India starting tomorrow. Full coverage right here on SEN. Mitchell Stark has confirmed he'll be back to full fitness, full tilt. And, uh, of course, Steve Smith will captain that. We'll hear from Mitchell Stark on Steve Smith in just a second. In rugby league news, Craig Bellamy has confirmed that this will be his last year in charge at the Melbourne Storm. So we want to know what should Bellyache do next? He's pointed out that he will continue on in some capacity at the Storm. Would you want to be the coach to follow after Craig Bellamy? And depending on what happens this season in State of Origin, would you look at somebody like Bellamy for season 2024 for the Blues if they decided to make a change? The other thing we want to know, and you can go to our Twitter uh, feed for this because we're running a poll this morning, should player salaries be made public? Put an end to this salary cap debate. At Matty White, S-E-N is the Twitter handle that you can jump on and let us know, yes or no, make them public. Does that solve the issue? On that, let's go to the open line, one three hundred oh one eleven seventy. 1170 Listening in in Newcastle, Paul's on the line. Good morning, Paul. What do you think? Yes or no, salaries to be made public? Um, I don't think that's the issue. I think the issue is the ability of the league. I wouldn't question their integrity, but their ability to have the salary cap as a current equalisation process because they could be getting money from anywhere and sending it anywhere for these guys to get after their career or whatever. It's not, it's just not a, a process that's working, obviously, because can you, do you think that East, as a football organisation, are that much better than anyone else that all of a sudden they can drag in all these players to say, oh, we want to go there because it's better. Mm. Yeah, look, it's ridiculous. Yeah, I I definitely think, look, culture plays a massive part on where you're going to go. Success plays a massive part. The size of the club, that all plays a a massive part. I, I absolutely think that's right. But money, as you well know, Paul, plays a massive part. I mean, the hard bit is, and I agree with your point, the salary cap scenario is there. It's needed but it's not watertight. So at what stage do we have to say, well, we, we kind of have to work with what we've got. What would make it watertight for you? What would make it transparent for you? Oh, well, I don't, I don't want to restrict the player's ability to earn as much as they can. Agree. But, but I, we have to equalise the talent if we're going... We don't want to go back to Newtown and North. And that's what's going to happen. Who would go to the Dragons? Nothing mm. against the Dragons. But they're a basket case. Who'd go there? Um, you know, you've, you've got to 
put people into a position for a club to grow. And I don't know how to do it, but what is in place at the moment, it isn't working because the only ones who are happy with it are the Roosters fans. Uh, everyone else is laughing at them. And I actually couldn't take any success that they get. I couldn't take it as serious. All right. Good on you, Paul. Appreciate your thoughts on that one. Got to move on. Thanks for uh, giving us a call, mate. Really appreciate it. Enjoy your day in Newey. Out in Belmore, Simon is on the line in terms of salary cap relief. Simon, good morning to you. Yeah, good day, good day Matt. How are you? Great, thanks. What are your thoughts? You know, I want to, I want to ask you, in the last how many years, how many, how many paper bags has the Roosters got in the past? Nick Pollard is handing paper bags over to everybody to come to him. I mean, some today, this uh, NRL should investigate the Roosters. Well, hang on, hang on. Are you, are you asking me the question? Years. Are you asking me the question, how many paper bags have been handed by somebody at a club to players? Nick is Pilates, it? Yeah. I don't know. Do you know? Oh, yeah. I'm not a, I'm not a Rooster supporter. I'm a Dragon well, supporter. But it doesn't matter if you're a Roosters or a Dragon supporter. Let me ask you the question. Do you know how many pound paper bags have been handed across with cash? Yes or no? I mean, they seem to, they seem to get every player they want. Well, I mean, don't tell me they're not over a salary cap. Well, hey, I'm not telling you that. But you can't start with these kind of questions, Simon. You, you can't just come out there and say, listen... The Roosters have been handing over brown paper bags full of cash. I mean, if you don't know the answer to the question, (laughs) I don't know, you don't know, we don't know. You're making assumptions, and this is the whole thing about it. Look, the the fact about the salary cap is that there's a number there and we're all making assumptions. So the question isn't, are there brown paper bags? Because that's crap, mate. We don't know the answer to that. The, The question is, if we want to know the answer about the salary cap, should we make salaries transparent? And put them all on a page, black and white. Should that be the way think, to deal I with it? They, uh, I think you should. Yeah, I think they should too. Yeah. They should open up everybody and have a look at them. Yeah, it'd be interesting. I mean, it'd, it'd make for interesting reading, Simon. I, I give you that much. Appreciate it. But look, folks, let's let's be serious. I mean, if you know, if you absolutely one hundred percent know how many, or if, or when, or how, and what's in them. It's great fodder and it's great stories. And we know that this kind of stuff has gone on. And well, Look, but let's just try and deal in facts here. And we don't know the facts around salaries because they're not out there. Now, do we want to know them? And will it help stop all this discussion? And speculation is, is one of the real points here. That's something that we can work in in actuality. That's something that we can say, okay, if we know all the, all the facts and figures then are we okay with the salary cap? Does it stop all of this speculation and putting everybody under duress? We don't know the answer. I'll tell you this much. Uh, Like I said before, it's part of the fun of rugby league. Of course we don't know, and we're not going to know. And I guarantee you this, if we gave you all the numbers, gave you all the numbers, even in black and white, people would still say, hmm, they're not the real numbers. (laughs) And the other part is TPA as well. It's a big discussion point this morning. Scotty Bailey from AAP Sport is on the line. Morning to you, Scott. You want to dive, dive headfirst into this one? Would it, would it solve any questions in your mind about salary cap breaches and possible breaches if we had players' salaries smack bang in front of us? Absolutely not. I think you just hit the nail on the head right there. If, if the salaries were listed, then everyone would just say, well, they're not the real salaries. I mean, do we think that when... 
Melbourne uh, cheated the cap between 2006 and 2010 that they would have listed the real salaries of their players. Likewise, would Parramatta have listed the third-party agreements of their players um, in 2016? The Bulldogs in 2002, would they have listed the real salaries and third-party agreements of their players? Of course not. So, no, it, would, it wouldn't solve anything. It'd be a great talking point, but I think the reality is is that that would have to be part of a CBA, and um, that is certainly not going to be part of the next CBA. That's taken long enough to organise. Imagine trying to get this in there. <laughs> yeah, imagine if we just threw that on the table. I mean, by all reports, that's um, close to getting done. And you think with the day, yeah, with the season two days away, that we'll probably have some news on that in the next 40 or 48 hours. But imagine throwing that issue on the table. So where where are we at with CBA? Yeah, so look, I wouldn't be surprised if we had an announcement on Thursday morning. My understanding as of late yesterday was there were still a few things to get through. Um, financials seem like they're sorted. I mean, they've been sorted for a while, but financials are sorted, as are uh, the RLPA has been given, I guess, a little bit more say on the control of funds in regards to you know retired player injury hardship, um, all that kind of stuff that we've obviously been talking about for months now. They've been given a little bit more say on that. Um, as for agreement rights and integrity matters, I think you know, there was some movement last week. The, the RLPA were never going to get full agreement rights, but it sounds like there's been some movement again to give them more consultation and whatnot. So the, the, the minor things that had to be done, when I say minor, I mean one is still pretty significant in terms of what the player transfer system looks like. The NRL were pushing for players not to be able to sign for, say, 2024 until June 30, 2023. Mm. Um, the RLPA don't want that. I don't know that that's going to get across the line because there's not really a lot else to bargain with at the moment. Um, but that is one thing that still to be, will still have to be sorted as of late yesterday afternoon. And then we're looking at a couple of minor things like policies uh, or technicalities around the NRLW um, contracting system and and, and stuff for the lower paid players like that sit outside the top 30. But most of the main stuff is done, so it's just a matter of how quick they can get those things through. And then we'll see an in-principle agreement before we set uh, a longer-form CBA is written up and done by the lawyers. And honestly, who knows how long that'll take, but it's kind of... Mm. You know, once the in-principle stuff's done, we can at least move on. Do we expect any any big announcements from the CBA? I mean, all of that is, is detail. It's been been there for quite a while. What about the NRLW season and, and the NRLW situation seems to have been sorted, Scott, over the last week or so, but can we expect anything to come out? If they do it by Thursday, would that be sort of the headline act that you're expecting out of it? Uh, look, I think if they do it by Thursday, the headline act will just be that it's done. Yeah, that we've got bits done that we've got peace, to be honest. I mean, most of the, the reality of this negotiation is that so much of it has been done through the media. So we kind of know where a lot of things already stand. Um, that player transfer stuff is probably going to be the most interesting because that's, you know, if we're being honest, and I've had this conversation with sort of both sides, like if we're being honest, that that's actually what fans care about far more than, um, you know, retired players, injury hardship, all that kind of stuff. And don't get me wrong, that is really, really important and something that should be very important. But fans want to know when their team can sign, you know, um, they want to know, you know, Roosters fans, well, I guess last week, want to know if they think if their team could sign Dom Young. That's already been done. Yeah. They want to know when David Beater can be signed. You know what I mean? That's what fans care about and obviously what the salary cap is. So that's probably the one um, thing as far as the transfer market that w- will be a big deal still. NRLW, um, that was sorted a few weeks ago. 
Uh, we still are at 10 teams for this season. I believe we'll go to 12 in 2025. That'll be the next round of expansion. Uh, all seven remaining clubs who don't have teams at the moment have all put their hand up. The Warriors, you'd think, are probably a front-runner, just given that they dropped out through the COVID times. Um, yeah, South would be another club. I mean, they're all kind of keen, aren't they? But the Warriors would be my front-runner. Um, and the NRLW season, we haven't got a draw yet, but my understanding is it will start um, the second last weekend in July um, and will be a nine-round season with two weeks of... Two, three weeks of finals, two, weeks of, two or three weeks of finals. I'm going to get my notes in front of me, but two or three weeks of finals. Okay. All right. So we'll wait and see what happens there. But Thursday morning, I mean, we know game one's Thursday night. So Thursday morning sounds like the obvious, uh, the obvious chance to, to break all of that news and announce mm-hmm. that news from the NRL. Craig Bellamy last night, um, no great surprise, I don't think, to, to see that Craig Bellamy saying this is going to be my last full-time year as head coach. I mean, he seemed very adamant at it, but also uh, alluded to the fact that he hasn't really sorted that out with the Melbourne Storm. It then begs the question, who's next and what's next? Who's next at the Storm and what's next for Craig Bellamy? Yeah, well, I mean, he's kind of, um, he's indicated this for a while now that this, I mean, to be fair, he's indicated most seasons that it could be his last, but this one he's kind of been uh, the most definite on uh, for a while now in terms of, um, you know, likely to finish up. I think he'll still have a, a role at the Storm going forward. There's no doubt about that. They want to keep him on the books for as long as possible. And it, yeah, Craig Bellamy, it's hard to imagine him walking away from rugby league entirely. Um, so, so you'd think he'll still have some kind of involvement. As for who's next, yeah, look, it's a good question. I mean, Jason Riles was a guy we all sort of thought might be the most likely. And, and when things ended up with English um, rugby and, and he came back to Australia, that the, the the assumption was sort of that he, he could well go into that role. The Dragons are a club that's sort of been linked to, to Jason Rolls a bit. So whether that ends up eventuating and takes him away from the storm is probably um, is probably one thing that needs to be worked out. Uh, I've obviously got Craig Bell and his son down there as an assistant, but I don't think he'll be the, the man that, that comes into the role. So probably it, it's, a, it's a really good question. And whether they're able to keep Rolls as that next man in line is probably... Um, one thing that will be you know, a bit of a talking point as the season goes on now, I would have thought. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they've got stuff down there. And the reality is, you know, we, we often talk about what club do you want to go to as a coach. I mean, if you've got Melbourne in front of you offering you a, a job and you've got any other NRL club, you'd be mad to take another NRL club ahead of Melbourne, wouldn't you? Yeah, but, uh, keen on it. yeah but then again, you're following Craig Bellamy, aren't you? So, you know, you kind of go, oh, jeez, there's, there's so but, much but success. If I offered you the Dragons job tomorrow or the, or the Storm job, which yeah. one are you taking, yeah. buddy? No-brainer. It's a no-brainer, isn't it? Yeah. What, what about Mark Brenton? Where does he sit in, in, in all of this discussion, assistant down there? I mean, I guess he's not out of the question when you think about it. Like, he's sort of been part of that setup for so long now. He coached around the 20s team about 10 years ago, I think, um, and, and has been you know, involved in the Storm for so long. So it, it would be... Um, I shouldn't say it would, would be an out-of-the-box pick because he's you know, probably got the longest... Uh, or close to the longest-serving association on the coaching staff under Craig down there. So in that sense, he, he would have to be a genuine chance. But again, whether they opted for him over a Jason Rolls is probably the is probably the the question. But again, like you know, it, it, given their system is so strong and their setup is so strong and so consistent year on year, it it, it probably um you know whether they would look to an outsider ahead of Bretnell is probably 
unlikely in a lot of ways. So, yeah, but that's why I personally think Jason Riles, just because he's been in and around that club for so long. So he, and he's always been sort of groomed as a, as a coach in waiting somewhere. But if it wasn't Jason Riles, then Mark Bretnall is probably as much of a chance, yeah. Yeah. All right, we'll watch this space and uh, we'll watch with interest what happens with the CBA over the next couple of days. Thanks for the insights, mate. Thank you for the tips as well. Footy's about to start, so looking forward to, talk to you, uh, talking to you when the season gets underway proper. Can't wait, Matty. Thank you, mate. Scott Bailey joining us there from AAP Sport. A uh, little bit of a worry for New Zealand in this test match. Matt Henry, who's got the figures of one for 56, but he's been absolutely rattling Ben Stokes this morning. He's he's suffering pretty badly with a back injury. Uh, he's just finished his fifth delivery of his 12th over and he could barely stand up. In fact, he's hit the deck and they've gone out to work on him. Um, the English batsman, Stokes and Root, had to help him walking along because he was in such discomfort. He got up on his feet and then crawled another couple of steps and now they're just working on his lower back. So uh, one for 56 for Henry, but like I say, he's been causing a lot of discomfort for Ben Stokes in particular. Now he's about to get back up. It's very gingerly. Oh, something's grabbing him badly. You ever had a bad back? You know exactly what he's going through. Stokes is there, 11 not out of 35 deliveries. Root, 53 not out of 53 even. England, 5 for 138. The target is 258. So that's the situation on that one in Wellington. We'll keep you updated. Uh, who are you backing in? You're backing in England here. I'm I'm thinking those early four wickets this morning obviously put a step uh, pep in the step in New Zealand, but... Look who steadied the ship, Stokes and Root. And now they're, what, 150 away from claiming this test match. Fascinating. Wherever England goes at the moment, they start to throw up amazing results. Henry's going to leave the field. Um, so Tim Southey's going to come on and take over. So Matt Henry leaving the field here in Wellington. 0457 736 736. The issue of player salary. Boom. It's lit up, folks. We're after this. Uh, don't forget the captain's run with Cameron Smith and Denon Kemp returns tomorrow. So brand new time slot for 2023 Wednesday afternoons from midday. So straight after this show tomorrow, the captain's run coming your way here on SEN. You might have heard in the ad break there, Heels uh, promoting the cricket tomorrow. Australia v India, the third test. Of course, uh, Paddy Cummins remains here in Australia, which means Steve Smith back as captain of the Aussie team. Mitchell Stark spoke to the media about not only his own injury and the uh, bounce back from that. He'll be there in full flight as of tomorrow, but playing again under Stephen Smith. Yeah, I think it's pretty seamless. Um, he's obviously done it for a long time. Certainly, I've played a lot of cricket with Steve as captain as well. So so personally, it's it's been a pretty easy transition. Not much changes. Um, you know, it's, it's still the same group of players, obviously, without Pat. Not much changes too much. He's obviously going to have certain ways that, that he likes to captain as well or, or different um, ideas, which he, he is no different when, when he's vice-captain to Pat. So it's going to be slightly different, but I think we've seen over the last sort of 12 to 18 months when he stepped in, he's done a fantastic job again. Obviously, the, the couple of tests he had to do in, in Adelaide um, were, were really successful for the group. So, so hopefully it's um, another great week for, for our team uh, to, to sort of um, bounce back from the last two. Yeah, full coverage tomorrow on uh, SEN, so make sure you tune on in. 2.30 is the start time for our New South Wales uh, audience. For those listening in via Queensland, that's half past one start for you. So ball-by-ball coverage of the third test in India, Australia 
uh, looking to bounce back after those opening two tests or just saw a, a thickish edge from Ben Stokes. This will run away to the boundary, so that'll take care. Oh, they've stopped it. So the Kiwis got there out of the blue. Uh, England, however, continue to march towards this total. They now need 118 to win. Uh, 35.5 overs gone. So plenty of time for England to reel this in. Can the Kiwis get the final three, five wickets, rather, with Ben Stokes at the crease, Joe Root at the crease as well? Uh, a couple of your text messages, 0457 736 736. This one uh, from Mel and uh, Brizzy. Matty, if this has to be Craig Bellamy's last season, would Melbourne look toward a younger coach or look to someone the likes of Adez Hasler? Interesting. Interesting. His name's going to start to pop up, isn't it? Um, not sure what Des is doing at the moment, but his name will certainly start to pop up when and if jobs become available or might look as though they're going to become available. We know this much. I mean, you can pencil it on in that Craig Bellamy won't be in charge of the storm next year. The next question is, who is? Younger coach? Not sure. Uh, untried coach? Don't know. Somebody like Des? Perhaps. Simon will join us in our next hour. Thank you for that, Vanessa. Bryden's Lawyers, the Your Verdict competition. You pick one NRL winner each week for your chance to win $2,500. Go to sensurvivor.com.au. sensurvivor.com.au. Uh, 0457 736 736 is the text line number. And, boy, is it busy. Uh, I'd be here all day trying to just go through, so I'll just pick some random ones. Matty, I think to an extent, yes, Salaries should be public, but also there needs to be some privacy for the players. As such, we can't help the people want to, and as such, we can't help the people want to go. The Roosters, says Braden, listening in Perth. That's the fine balance, isn't it? I mean, where does the privacy issue sit for players and their salaries to be made public? I mean, they're speculated on ad nauseum. But again, as you pointed out, Tommy, 2am Tommy's coming to the studio. You pointed out to me this morning, you know, it's it, it's different to everyday business because this is a salary cap industry. This is what they play under. So therefore that's um, part of the reason why people want to know and expect to know. Couple of cents on the table from uh, the big fella. Allows you the right to buy in. Morning, Matty. Morning, listeners. Yeah, I've been an ardent supporter about player salaries being made public because, you know, I'm a big fan of American sports. You know, even look in... Across Europe, you understand and you know what players are getting paid. And it's because they're in that salary cap system. And I've always been a firm believer in transparency creates trust. We spoke about this last week with the whole NRL transfer system. Fans don't know what the parameters around when a player can leave, immediate releases, like transfers, a transfer fee operating outside of a salary cap. So if fans don't understand the rules and the logistics of your system, then you can't create that trust between the officials, the administration, then through the teams and then through the fans who are the most important stakeholders in this whole business. So I I understand that people, and there was a good point brought up by you and Scott, Scott Bailey before saying that, you know, the salaries will be made public, but fans will then scoff at those figures being like, well, oh, hang on, there's no way he's getting paid that. You know, he's sponsored by such and such, or there's no way he took unders. Um, to go to that club because another another thing that could be that needs to be mentioned is say a player say a player's manager comes out and says look we want um, X player to be paid five hundred thousand dollars and then he signs for a big club and then you see on the dotted line it's made public uh, he's only there for three hundred seventy five thousand dollars 
So is that allowed, first of all, by the NRL? Second of all, why did he do that? Third of all, where else is that $125,000 coming from if he wanted $500,000 in the first place? Now, he can come out and say, well, look, I went to this club because I have a better chance at winning. It can set me up um, post-career like a lot of the arguments have been made before. Uh, But the questions are still going to arise. However, in my opinion... I think the questions that arise from the salary from the salaries being made public are better than the questions that are being asked right now with no, with no one having any idea about what players are getting paid. No one having any idea about what players are getting paid. And we've had a host of players throughout the years say, well, hang on, will Joe blow down the street who's a plumber or who's a tradie? You know, why can't I know what he gets paid? Well, no offence. Joe Blow isn't – thousands of people aren't going to watch Joe Blow <clears throat> fix someone's toilet or work on a construction site. And Joe Blow isn't part of the salary cap system. You get paid these luxury amounts. You have to take, you know, the good with the bad. And at some cost, that comes with your, with your salary being exposed to the public. Whether you like it or not, well, that's, those are the things you've got to consider when you want to enter into this trade of being a professional athlete, in my opinion. I think the, you know, the, the, we posed one question and we now got another one out of it, which is most people seem to go, yeah, yeah, make the, make the players' salaries public. And the other question out of that is, okay, would that, would that give you 100% clarity that you think that the salary cap is, is being adhered to? And then most people say no, because then that raises further questions, as you point out. So you put a number next to a player and then people are still going to go, really? Is that, is that all you're paying? Look, <laughs> I, I think it's... I think you're right. I think it's a better system. The more transparent it is, it's going to be a better system. But as I said to Paul, who called up, I don't think it's a watertight system. It's certainly not at the moment, and it's not going to be, and it's not going to be a foolproof Matty, this is the NRL. There's no system within this game that is watertight. Look at the judiciary. Look at the bunker. Um, look at the transfer system right now. There is nothing watertight about anything that operates under the NRL banner. Now, that doesn't mean that we shouldn't do it. That doesn't mean we shouldn't have the bunker. That doesn't mean that we shouldn't suspend players and have a judiciary. Just because we can't get 100% foolproof you know, correction doesn't mean that we shouldn't strive for 100% correction. It's all about the drama, Tommy. It's all about the drama. Isn't it great to be back, Matty? It's great. Hey, two days, hasn't two hasn't days even out. Started. Hasn't even started yet. Uh, England, five for 147. So they need... 111 to win. Root 58 not out. Uh, run a ball. And Stokes 15 off 55. So it's not very baseball of Ben Stokes, is it? No. But it have you seen some of the balls that he's been copying? It's it's almost like good. It's almost like he's all the nasty deliveries have been saved for him. Joe Root's in sublime form. He's now scored more than 200 runs in this Test match. Uh, 150 plus not out in the first innings and 58 here in the second. Uh, so at this stage of the match, New Zealand need five more wickets. England need 111 to win. Matt Henry's off the field with a bad back. There's a fair bit in this pitch. Who are you backing in? Um, well, I want New Zealand to win, but I think England can win. There's nothing better in sport than seeing England lose. Mark will attest to that as the Scotsman. Um, and especially with the Ashes coming up in just a few months... Um, yeah, come on, New Zealand. Let's go, New Zealand. <laughs> I got the feeling that they had their opportunity early. It's been a fascinating test match. And that opportunity, yeah, it has. It's gone five days. And the last one to go five days was Sydney. That's because a couple were washed out. Um, they oh, had the sweep. opportunity. Joe Root just did a sweep. A reverse sweep. They had the opportunity here in New Zealand, I reckon, to uh, to step on the necks of England, but 
they steadied the ship. And as soon as we looked up, when we came on air, looked up and went, guess who's here? Um, Root and Stokes at the crease. They were in a fair bit of trouble there and steady the ship. But Joe Root continues to push it along. Um, so Stokes now moves to 16, 109 to win. 0457736736. Your man McHugh is on the line. Says, Matty, isn't it terrible on the text line? Isn't it terrible when Tommy makes sense? You're telling me. Uh, Matt, up the salary cap to what is that? There's so many zeros on that dirty flamingo. I can't work it out. 150 million, I think you're saying. Then divide that by the top 30, or are you just saying 15 million? Stops all the crap. Uh, we'd like that. We'd like that. No coach. Uh, Des is no chance, I sh- should say, according to Bexley Dragon, of coaching the Storm. Bellamy will remain in some capacity, which clearly points to a young coach. Interesting last night to watch that interview with Craig Bellamy, who's so good and. You know, he, he knows he knows how to deal with the media and he's comfortable in in what he says. He was clearly talking about the fact that they need to rebuild the leadership factor there and pretty adamant that he's not going to coach next year, but also sort of say, well, you know, it's between us and the Melbourne Storm to work that out yet. I, I thought it was kind of interesting to watch him at this stage of his career. Um, but again... I think we can lock it in that he won't be there as head coach in 2024. James from Hornsby on the line. Morning, James. Go for it. Right, yeah, you're on my rack. Why in the hell do people, the public, and other people want to know other people's business? If you want to be, you know, these are people, you know, oh, I've got to look up on, sort them on Facebook, see how much this is being paid, that's being paid. You know, I thought the um, dressing gown, the hair rollers and the bag hanging out of the mouth over the back fence went out years ago. <laughs> so who cares what they earn? It's their, pro- it's their business. It's not anyone else's to come in and say, oh, how much do you earn? You walk up to someone and say, oh, hi, I'm Matt. How much do you earn? <laughs> no. no. So what do people have to say? Why do people have to know what they earn? They earn what they get paid. Exactly, exactly. I'll tell you why, and and Tommy did point out this earlier. This is the game that they play and the rules that they play under, which is a salary cap situation. I'm 100% with you, James. I don't give two hoots what people earn. And I don't expect... Uh, and, and the flip side of that is people come up to me and ask me the question, or if I ask you the question, you tell me to go stick it. It's your business, and I'm happy with that. In in this sense, these are, these, in this sense this is a salary cap run competition, so they're the rules that they're playing under. And people want to know, not so much, I don't, well, they do. I was about to say, people don't so much want to know what individual players earn. They want to know whether that club is underneath the salary cap. And to know that, you have to know what the figures are. So that's the balance. Look, mate, I agree with you. I, it's personal information and should remain personal. But this is a public game played under those rules, which do operate differently to the rules um, that we operate day-to-day business. The question around who cares about salary cap, let me tell you, mate, seriously, the amount of phone calls, the amount of texts and all that stuff that we've got this morning shows that people certainly get fire up a bit, fired up about it. On you, James. Thank you, mate. We've got a bolt. Appreciate your call. It's 18 minutes to 11 for our Sydney listeners, 18 to 10 for those in Queensland. Hit a raw nerve this morning around the issue of uh, salary cap and players' salaries uh, as the season edges closer two days away. Joe from Penrith on the open line. Good morning to you, Joe. You can have your say. Yeah. G'day, Matt. I just want to say they should change it to salary crap <laughs> because it means nothing. You can show players' wages, whatever, 
But while you've got third-party sponsorship deals outside of the cap, it's never going to be a level playing field. And the only way they can fix that, and they're never going to do it, is a draft. But while you've got third-party sponsorship, it's never going to be even. Never. Because one club could find a lot more sponsors for a particular player, which are outside the cap. So how is it a level playing field? Even if you've got a salary cap, everyone spends their $9 million, whatever it is, big deal. It's what happens outside of the cap that's the big problem. Well, the third-party agreements... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you, mate. The third-party agreements are are operated separately. So the club has no impact, should have no impact on that or no involvement in that. So that's that's not club-driven. Um, that's the that's the whole well, point. But, that's yeah. What they, that's what they say, but come on. When you've got people in power that know people in power because they get around in those circles, <laughs> who knows what happens? Yeah. So to me, the salary cap is really uh, a crock. And who cares what it is? It's not a level playing field. All right. Good on you, Joe. Thank you. Um, let me ask you that then. Do you think it is a level playing field? And and what you're pointing out there is, is, is right. There's, there's the restriction on this side here because there's a cap that says essentially that then determines how much you can earn. So you're restricted. But then the third party side of it helps the flexibility on that. The accountability of those two is what a lot of people will question. So on one hand, if you're trying to restrict somebody from earning the amount of money that they can because there's a cap in place, then you start to run into trouble. So over here, you go, well, you know what? If you can make as much as you want or you can over there on third-party agreements, go for your life because that counterbalances the restriction on the other side. Does it cut through? Is it fully transparent? No. That's the answer to that. And you could hear from Joe there. I mean, he just doesn't believe in the whole thing, just just doesn't think that it's a level playing field. Do you think so? one three hundred oh one, eleven seventy. 1170 uh, Walnut says, my favourite team is whoever is beating the Poms. Well, it, this morning, Walnuts, this, this morning it was New Zealand. However, the tide has turned. They're only a couple of wickets away from more trouble here, England, but the tide has definitely turned. Joe Root is, is on fire. 61, not out of 69 deliveries. He was um, operating at a strike rate of more than 60-plus in the first innings, and he's close to 100 here in terms of strike rate. But he's been the one that's turned their fortunes around. Stokes at the other end uh, just grabbed hold of his knee in the over before, but looks okay. Southie, two for 37, his figures. He's bowling. Henry's off the field with a bad back. And New Zealand are backs against the wall because they're getting close to the 100 mark needed um, England. In fact, 102 is the score they now need to win this match. That's the runs needed from here on in. Five for 156, chasing 258 to win. Root, 62 not out. Stokes, 20 not out of 65 deliveries. Uh, Players have a right to their privacy. Shareholders who get a dividend from a company or organisation's have the right to know the wages being paid to employees. Stop confusing stakeholders with shareholders, says the Maroubra Tiger. Matty, I've been saying the changes that need to be made to the salary cap for a while now, and the main thing that needs to change is the clarity on what players are earning, just like in overseas sports, but the third party has to go with it, says Junior Smithy. Matty, none of our business what they earn. It's the job of the NRL to enforce it, let them earn their keep. 
Uh, worst case scenario, release what the club as a whole is paying in wages, says Mick from the gong. Rooster Mars says the media certainly aren't blameless regarding salary caps. They constantly drive speculation about player payments, etc. says Rooster Mars. We're part of that. It's happening right here, <laughs> right now. We posed the question this morning, should players' salaries be made public? Should we just put them out all, all out on the table? Would that go any way to ending any of the speculation around salary cap rorting? doesn't matter which club it is. Now, the answer seems to be overwhelmingly yes, and I'll get Tommy to check our Twitter poll at Matty White SEN because we put it out there for you. The answer on that seems to be overwhelmingly from you, the fans, the punters, the supporters. Yeah, 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 make them public. But we're still not any closer to whether that answers the issue of does that make you believe more in the salary cap being adhered to? 76% in favour from our Twitter poll in favour of salaries to be made public. So at Matty White SEN on that one, we'll give us a call this morning. It's nice and busy, just the way we like it. one three hundred oh one eleven seventy. Now, we've just got over an hour to go before uh, we hand over to Jimmy Smith. So England need 90 runs to win this test match against New Zealand. New Zealand need another five wickets. England with Joe Root at a run of ball, 74 off 74 deliveries have been going gangbusters. Thanks to him. Stokes at the other side is... Um, cops and absolute doozies. He's 20 not out off 71 deliveries. 43.2 overs to go. Lunch over there is still in the system. Uh, will they take it at 11 o'clock? Probably. So when does this wrap up? <laughs> when does this one go down to the crunch? We're going to keep our eyes on this, but under 100 to win now. And I wonder too uh, what happens if and when the next wicket falls for the English. If we remove Stokes and or Root from the equation, does it really start to get interesting? Wicketkeeper Ben Folks will be in next. Then you've got Stuart Broad, Jack Leach and Jimmy Anderson. So that's the tale that would come in after these two batsmen who have steadied the ship since they lost four wickets early on. Go to our Twitter page, at MattyWhiteSEN, and uh, let us know your thoughts on the Twitter poll, should players' salaries be made public. Don't forget to tune in to SEN all weekend long for your footy and sporting fix. Saturday, the Saturday Mowers Club from 9 till 12. So the missile's in with Nick Davis. Crunch time from 12 till 2 with Sugar, Socky and Scotty Sattler. And then Let It Ride with Joel Kane, Steve O'Keefe and uh, Scott Sattler as well. And then Sunday crunch time from 12 till 2 with the missile, Jaleesa and Steve Philp as well. Welcome back to the program. Now, we are going to do our top eights today. So 2am, Tommy uh, is pushing the button on the top eight uh, as of today. So we'll do that after the news with Vanessa. Normally, history tells you that two to three teams change over from top to bottom season by season. I've got to tell you, I've, I can't find room for just one. One. There's there's one other that I'm hovering on. If I'm going to take two out of the bottom eight from last year and put them into the top eight, and of course we'll have a bottom nine this year, uh, I can only fit one in at the moment. That may change. Still got five minutes to the news, then a news break, so that could well change. That's how my mind works when I start looking at top eight. So a couple of texts before we get to that news break. Uh, Matty, who gives a rats about what players earn? Let's not have a salary cap. 
let them all learn what they can, then we'd have more privately owned clubs being run like a proper business, PG. Somebody else also pointed out, um, didn't the salary cap as, uh, essentially come in to stop clubs from going broke? Um, well, yeah, I mean, it, the open slather approach would be unreal. Would it be realistic? And would it last? Would it go the distance? Don't know about that. Probably not. Uh, Rhino Mike. I don't think the players' wages should be made public. This would stop two things. Firstly, the whinging from the Sooks crying about how the Roosters are over the cap. And secondly, the whinging from the Roosters fans complaining about rival fans saying they're over the cap. It's good entertainment. Bring on the footy, (laughs) says Rhino Mike. I I didn't think, I seriously did not think that this would be the burning issue two days out from the start of the season. But in the events of over the last 24, 48 hours, it doesn't take much to push the buttons when you look at dollars and cents in the game and those who are always under the microscope on that. Uh, This from the Elabana Reel. Matty, I didn't uh, realise, apparently the Roosters didn't realise that the salary cap was in Australian dollars. They've been operating in US dollars. I mean, we've had all the gags, all the gags. Listing salaries, that solves nothing. Those figures could be fact or fiction. Third-party payments are really the grey area. How much is reported would probably be far less than being handed around. as too difficult to actually police. So no matter how you look at it, even with a salary cap, there's a loophole there and it's third-party payments. Um, We've discussed that. It's not watertight. Regarding Ryan Pappenhausen, this one from Steve, people are focusing on when he can return. My more pressing concern is, is Pappenhausen even going to be the same player when he returns? Is he going to be able to have that explosive impact? I'm concerned he won't. Your thoughts? It's a worry that he hasn't even been able to run yet. But it was a fairly, not fairly, it was a brutal injury that he suffered. So there's a long way to come back from that. He's only young, so that'll help. The need or the, you know, the way that they're not going to try and rush him back in because they can't, will probably help in the long run anyway. Will he be the same player when he comes back? Let's hope so, Steve. Because Ryan Pappenhausen in full flight is worth the price of admission. He's an out-and-out star player. He's been great for the game. He's good for entertainment value and obviously good for the Melbourne Storm. So I I don't know, and we're not going to know until he hits the ground running, quite literally hits the ground running. He hasn't been able to do any of that. So if it's six or eight weeks, then that's awesome. If it's 10 weeks, it's a real pity, but at least we're getting back at some stage, hopefully throughout the season. I mean, there's a chance, there's an outside chance that he might not even play this season. That was put to Craig Bellamy last night. And the answer was, we don't know. Don't know when he's going to come back. Therefore, we don't know if he can play or not. Uh, Jason says, what would be the point of releasing salary details? Of course, they are under, according to what they report. The only way the only way I believe they aren't cheating is if players release their tax returns and explain where they get their money. I bet a few of the mates of certain people are paying them extras. I mean, as if they're going to release their tax returns. If that's the only way that you're going to get to the bottom of whether or not the salary cap is being absolutely 100% strictly enforced, we're never going to get that answer. No one's going to release their tax returns. That's That might be the only way to get to the bottom of it but it's crazy to even think about. Here's the news. Welcome back to the final hour of the program. Uh, Simon Hill will join me very soon. Fair bit going on in the world 
of football. But uh, the first session of day five is over in Wellington. So we've been following the fortunes this morning. Here's the snapshot while they take a breather. England need another 90 runs across the course of the next couple of sessions to finish it off and defeat New Zealand. So 90 is needed from the English, five wickets needed from New Zealand. Joe Root, 74 not out. What a knock. Off 74 deliveries, seven fours and two sixes. Uh, in particular, he took the big hammer to Michael Bracewell, the spinner. So Root has led the charge back here. Ben Stokes, not out 20. He's had a tougher time of it. 20 off 75 deliveries. And as Steve on the text line has said, Stokes has copped some rip snorters. Yeah, they've all seemed to have gone to Ben Stokes. Haven't they? But they're still there. If they get a breakthrough after this after this break, then you think that New Zealand might be back in the picture. But England on the verge of wrapping this one up. So at the break, five for 168. They need another 90 runs, and it is theirs. 0457 736 736 is the text line. Or give us a call this morning. 1300 01 1170 is the open line. A whole stack of rugby league issues on the table in front of us before the season starts in just two days' time. Let's start with you, Shane, from this uh, hour, and we can talk player salaries with you in the salary cap. So your take on the discussion we've been having this morning, should they be made public or not? Uh, look, my whole idea on the salary cap is get rid of it completely. Harry Trippigoff always wanted to give West Tigers more money, wasn't allowed. The owner of Melbourne Storm is a multi-billionaire. He'd like to pump more money into it. Arthur Laundy is multi-billionaire. He'd love to pump more money into the Bulldogs. Get rid of the cap and have a free-for-all. Whatever you want to pump into your team, that's fair enough. I know there'd be two, probably two or three teams that would go by the wayside, but every year, how exciting would it be to have a brand-new new franchise come in with a multi-billionaire backing it? And that way you'd have four, 13 or 14 stacked sides or with a chance of winning the comp. Do, do we... Do, yeah. I mean, it sounds great. Obviously, the longevity of that isn't isn't uh, great, but do we end up there making the rich richer and the poor get poorer in this scenario? No, well, you, you'd take any team in the competition. They've all got benefactors. Yep. Some have got even more benefactors. You know, I mean, you look at the Sharks. There's multi-billionaires down there in, in the Shire. Every team has a benefactor that's ready to pump money into it. Open it right up and let's just rock and roll, baby. <laughs> nice, Shane. Nice. Let's just open it up and rock and roll. You know, for years and years, so many people would say that about the Tour de France, wouldn't they? Like, listen, everyone's doing it. Look at Lance. It, it, let's just open the damn thing up and rock and roll. And Shane, when it comes to, I'm not saying it's a, the same situation, believe me, but I'm saying what you're saying is let's just take the money off the table Get as much as you can, chuck it all into the biggest pot and go for broke, folks. But I agree with you on the point. And uh, Pete has also texted in saying, look, Braith said it last night. Nick has all the best contacts. Step in the billionaires. Listen to what he said. I did hear that. And you're right. There are contacts, obviously, at the Roosters. And that's one of the, um, you know, the beneficiaries of going there. But I agree with you, Shane. He's not the only bloke out there with deep pockets who supports a rugby league club. By far. Yeah, in fact, many of them have them. And and if they're not front and centre, they're behind the scenes. Totally agree with you, Shane. Appreciate your call, mate. Andrew is on the line. So let's go to you, Andrew. Good morning to you. Craig Bellamy. So 2023 will be his last year full-time in charge. He's going to stick around at the Storm. Can you find a, a different kind of home or a different spot for him? No, I was just watching that interview last night in 
amazement. I mean, jaw dropped a bit. It just seemed to me that uh, come out and say that the club needed a new leader. I think it just... I've had a feeling for a while since their demise at the end of last year, like they went out, they got beat by Canberra in the first week of the finals, but they're just tired. And uh, Craig looked tired last night and he said, I'm still enjoying some parts. I don't enjoy other parts. And I just have a feeling that uh, it could be the end. I know we always say it, but even even when they got done for the salary cap, they had this resilience, which, Mm. you know, they weren't playing for points and they still found a way to... uh, be strong and resilient, but last night Craig just looked to me like he was done and I reckon, uh, you mentioned it last week, I, I reckon they'll struggle to make the eight. I've got to tell you, Andrew, because I, I watched the same and I had the same I had the same thought process to be brutally frank. I, I watched and I thought, I, I don't know it, you know, it just didn't seem 100% as committed as, as what we're used to with Craig and, and to put all that in perspective, it's his 21st year at the club and it, when it will be his last year but there seemed to be a lot of, uh, I don't know how to put it. Maybe you can you can help me here. But there seemed to be a lot of unanswered questions around what Craig Bellamy was saying, more than what we're used to, which is the very direct, this is what we're doing, this is how we're going to do it. It was like, well, leadership, we've lost a couple of those guys. We've got mentors in. Joel Selwood's there. We want to help this young group come on up. On my future, look, I'm kind of done with the game, but we'll sort it out with the with the pl- uh, with the club as we go. There were a lot of sort of what ifs. Yeah, no, definitely. He's, he's always been intense, and he's always been yeah. direct, and no excuse, no excuses. But even at the end of last year, when they were getting beaten pretty pretty solidly by, you know, their defence was right off there for a while. They did come back, but some of his press conferences last year was like, you know, it was like he was just thinking. I don't have the answers anymore. It's all I've I've had enough, and I, I could. He didn't say that directly, but yeah. you can just read because he's been in a, you know he's been amazing, as you said, twenty one years, and then through that salary cap period, they came back and won the comp. But everyone has their day, and I just hope he hasn't gone on one year too long. Yeah, well said, Andrew. Good call, mate. Really appreciate it. Um, right off a champion person and a champion club and a champion team at your peril. And I think that's in the back of everyone's minds, isn't it? Um, and you're right. I, I did say last week, it just started to started to get my gut feeling that the Melbourne Storm, uh, Melbourne Storm might be under threat here. Th- this might be the year that they, that they dip out of the eight. I'm going to put them in my eight and I'll tell you why. Because of all of those compelling reasons that says the Melbourne Storm have been in this situation before and seen this movie before and delivered before. So I'm going slightly against my gut feeling on that one. Um, now, a report coming through on Michael Carianis that the Roosters have handed Dylan Napper a lifeline with their New South Wales Cup squad. Okay, so more details to come on that one. Tommy just feeding me that information as we speak. So the Roosters offering Dylan Napper a lifeline. one three hundred oh one eleven seventy. The open line's been busy, but you can certainly pick up the phone and give us a call. We've got plenty of time together before the show finishes in the next 50 minutes or so. Matty, people can say third parties isn't something that clubs have a hand in. What so uh, a club attracts a player in limited funds and they just hope that third parties come to the table? That'd be guesswork at best, says Steve from Under the Palm Trees. More of those questions we don't know the answers to, Steve, to be brutally fair. Uh, the global game tonight, Simon Hill, Alex Brosk, every Tuesday, as we know, from 9 o'clock, a new Brisbane Raw coach, Nick Green, and Sydney FC midfielder, Jack Rodwell, are the special guests tonight, Simon. So you're going to have your 
hands full. Good morning, mate. Morning. Uh, yeah, it's a busy show tonight. Normally is. Uh, we only have two hours, so we're going to race through everything <laughs> in the world of football. So uh, looking forward to it. It'll be fun. What did you make of Pride Round in the A-League? Pretty good, to be honest. Um, we had some cracking games. We also had some controversy, <laughs> particularly with regards to the refereeing decisions. Um, and we also saw a quite amazing goal from a young kid who's going to be a real star. And that's uh, Nestor Irankunda, uh, the Adelaide United winger, who's only just turned 17 and scored an absolute howitzer of a goal against uh, Melbourne Victory. And he's starting to make a bit of a habit of that. So... Uh, I don't think it's going to be too long before the big uh, European leagues come sniffing around and uh, uh, dangling checks out to Adelaide United. I hope <laughs> they can resist for at least 12 months because it'd be lovely to, to see him uh, stay here for a while. But uh, there's no doubt he's got as much potential, if not more, than as Garen Quall, who, of course, is, uh, is now over there as well. It's that classic case, isn't it? I mean, you, they, they burst into the spotlight and you go, Gee, it's, isn't it great to have him in the spotlight, but now the spotlight's on him, which means that everybody's looking at him even more. I remember when Jonah Lomu made his, made his international sort of scene in the 2005 Rugby World Cup and he trampled over Mike Catt to score the try. And the commentators said at the time, Kiwi commentators said, damn it, he was a secret until then. And that's the kind of scenario. <laughs> that's the kind of scenario that I hear when you, when you're talking about players in the A League. But uh, what about red cards? Twenty six straight red cards so far this season. Still eight rounds to go. Um, if you go looking for the other numbers, you go back to twenty seven eighteen, and there were twenty one red cards. So all over that, and still eight rounds to go. Is there, is there a, dis- a disciplinary pro- problem in the A League at the moment? Uh <laughs> That's an interesting question. I, I, I think what's happened is that at the start of the season, the referees were told to clamp down on certain things. And we're seeing the results of that in an increased number of red cards. Uh, personally, I think it's a, a few too many. Uh, that's not to defend you know, serious foul play, because obviously that has to be sanctioned. But uh, I, I do think we're in danger of over-refereeing the games and in, in certain instances, spoiling the, the, the matches. Um, now, you know, I'm not going to go into individual uh, examples of that, but uh, I, I do think there is, there's been at least a handful this season when you know, perhaps a little bit more leniency could be shown. But it, again, it depends on your point of view. You know, there's a lot of people involved in our game who are absolute sticklers for the rules and uh you know the problem is with with the rules in football is that a, a lot is left open to interpretation and now that we've added the var to that we are having uh different added interpretations on top of uh, the different interpretations that we had in the first place <laughs> so it's it's all causing an awful lot of consternation um that's why i've always said all along i'm personally not in favor of var uh, I'd I prefer to just go with the referee's call. And uh, if he makes a mistake, well, you know, he makes a mistake. It's, it's a human game. We get on with it. But uh, with the VAR now, we, you know, we're stopping games to, to, to look at decisions again and again and again. And, uh, yeah, as a result, perhaps in part, we're, we're getting more red cards as well. What about the season snapshot at this stage um, with, what, eight rounds to go, mate? Melbourne City... Um, by far and away the best team at the moment, 37 points. So they're well clear, mm-hmm. but there's a fair old log jam. So who's, who's in your sense, at this stage of the season, the team to threaten Melbourne City in the back end? 
Well, probably the Central Coast Mariners, to be honest. I mean, that sounds straightforward because they're actually the team in second at the moment, although they're level on points with Western Sydney Wanderers and Adelaide United. Uh, and the Wanderers, you know, certainly added firepower to their ranks and experience and know-how in the in the January transfer window with the acquisition of Morgan Schneiderlin and Amor Layuni, both of whom looked terrific uh, uh, acquisitions by Marco Rodin. But I think the Mariners have uh, have goals in them, and they have an energy and a, a dynamism about them that can be hard to live with when they're on song. Now they do have a few off days. Uh, most teams in the league do. Melbourne City have fewer than any of the rest, which is why they're well clear at the top. Uh, and I still think they're very much the team to be. But yeah, I would say, you know, the next three teams in line: Central Coast probably the standouts, Western Sydney and Adelaide, who, you know, I've already mentioned Nestoria and Kunda. Uh, their big star, of course, is Craig Goodwin. They've got other players who, uh, you know, contribute a lot as well. So I think the winners will, <laughs> I, know that, I know this is sitting on the fence an awful lot, mate, but uh, I think the winners will come from one of those four with Melbourne mm-hmm. City clearly the standout at the moment. Obviously, tonight you'll uh, cover Ange Postacoglu's uh, latest success. And also, internationally, we haven't spoke since um, news broke of the Matildas and Socceroos locking in matches against England this year. I, I like the fact that, that, that Football Australia can continue to deliver strong and positive news out of the Matildas and Socceroos. And then this morning we get the Matildas are going to play France in a friendly match at uh, Marvel Stadium on July 14. So tickets going on sale for that one, 15th of March. There's so much good positivity coming out of both Matildas and Socceroos at the moment. Yeah, well, that's right. And, uh, you know, obviously the Socceroos had a great World Cup and uh, hopefully the Matildas are going to have a great World Cup. Um, The expectations are obviously, you know, much higher with the Matildas because they're expected to actually challenge uh, for the trophy and um, you know the, those games against England which I think is in <clears throat> excuse me April uh, in London uh, and then the the farewell game if you like not that they're going anywhere because it's at home of course the World Cup but uh, they're playing France at Marvel Stadium and you know France are one of those teams that could quite easily win the World Cup having said that uh, the French have got a few problems at the moment there's a few women's national teams at the moment around the world that have got a few issues and uh uh, France are one of them. Wendy Renard, who is probably the one of one of the best central defenders in world football in the women's game, uh, has basically said she's not going to play. Um, whilst the current coach Corinne Diaka is is still in charge, and a couple of others have have followed suit as well. This is on the back of 15 players for Spain saying they're not going to play uh, until Jorge Vilda, the national team coach, is removed. Um, and the Canadian uh, women's team, who won Olympic gold, you might remember, in Tokyo, uh, are at loggerheads with their federation overpaying conditions. So, oh. you know, there's a few issues for, for some of the potential challenges for, for the World Cup. Um, all of which, you never know, might just play into Australia's hands, particularly on home soil. Yeah, players have the power. There's no question about that. Good on you, mate. Have a good show tonight. Thanks, mate. All the best. The Global Game. Simon Hill, Alex Sprosk, uh, tonight, uh, 9 o'clock Eastern Daylight Time. New Brisbane Raw coach Nick Green and Jack Robwell from Sydney FC, the special guests. Uh, the best FIFA award winners have been uh, named from 2022. Sam Kerr voted in the best women's world 11, scored in her 100th game for Chelsea at the weekend. Messi, of course, the best men's player. And the best FIFA fan award for 2022 goes to the Argentinian 
fans. It's 20 minutes after 11 o'clock. Back after this, plenty of time for your calls. one three hundred oh one eleven seventy. 1170 Welcome back to the program. Now, we are going to do our top eights today. So 2AM Tommy uh, is pushing the button on the top eight uh, as of today. So we'll do that after the news with Vanessa. Normally, history tells you that two to three teams change over from top to bottom season by season. I've got to tell you, I've, I can't find room for just one. One. There's, there's one other that I'm hovering on. If I'm going to take two out of the bottom eight from last year and put them into the top eight, and of course we'll have a bottom nine this year, uh, I can only fit one in at the moment. That may change. Still got five minutes to the news, then a news break, so that could well change. That's how my mind works when I start looking at top eight. So a couple of texts before we get to that news break. Uh, Matty, who gives a rats about what players earn? Let's not have a salary cap. Let them all earn what they can. Then we'd have more privately owned clubs being run like a proper business, PG. Somebody else also pointed out, um, didn't the salary cap es- essentially come in to stop clubs from going broke? Um, well, yeah, I mean, it, the open slather approach would be unreal. Would it be realistic? And would it last? Would it go the distance? Mm-hmm. Don't know about that. Probably not. Uh, Rhino Mike. I don't think the players' wages should be made public. This would stop two things. Firstly, the whinging from the Sooks crying about how the Roosters are over the cap. And secondly, the whinging from the Roosters fans complaining about rival fans saying they're over the cap. It's good entertainment. Bring on the footy, (laughs) says Rhino Mike. I I didn't think, I seriously did not think that this would be the burning issue two days out from the start of the season. But in the events of... Over the last 24, 48 hours, it doesn't take much to push the buttons when you look at dollars and cents in the game and those who are always under the microscope on that. Uh, this from the Alabama Eel. Matty, I didn't uh, realise, apparently the Roosters didn't realise that the salary cap was in Australian dollars. They've been operating in US dollars. I mean, we've had all the gags, all the gags. Listing salaries, that's, that solves nothing. Those figures could be fact or fiction. Third-party payments are really the grey area. How much is reported would probably be far less than being handed around. It's too difficult to actually police. So no matter how you look at it, even with a salary cap, there's a loophole there and it's third-party payments. Um, We've discussed that. It's not watertight. Regarding Ryan Pappenhausen, this one from Steve, people are focusing on when he can return. My more pressing concern is, is Pappenhausen even going to be the same player when he returns? Is he going to be able to have that explosive impact? I'm concerned he won't. Your thoughts? It's a worry that he hasn't even been able to run yet. But it was a fairly, not fairly, it was a brutal injury that he suffered. So there's a long way to come back from that. He's only young, so that'll help. The need or the, you know, the way that they're not going to try and rush him back in because they can't, will probably help in the long run anyway. Will he be the same player when he comes back? Let's hope so, Steve. Because Ryan Pappenhausen in full flight is worth the price of admission. He's an out-and-out star player. He's been great for the game. He's good for entertainment value and obviously good for the Melbourne Storm. So I I don't know, and we're not going to know until he hits the ground running, quite literally hits the ground running. He hasn't been able to do any of that. So if it's six or eight weeks, 
then that's awesome. If it's 10 weeks, it's a real pity, but at least we'll get him back at some stage, hopefully throughout the season. I mean, there's a chance, there's an outside chance that he might not even play this season. That was put to Craig Bellamy last night, and the answer was, we don't know. Don't know when he's going to come back, therefore we don't know if he can play or not. Uh, Jason says, what would be the point of releasing salary details? Of course they are under, according to what they report. The only way the only way I believe they aren't cheating is if players release their tax returns and explain where they get their money. I bet a few of the mates of certain people are paying them extras. I mean, as if they're going to release their tax returns. If that's the only way that you're going to get to the bottom of whether or not the salary cap is being absolutely 100% strictly enforced, we're never going to get that answer. No one's going to release their tax returns. That's That might be the only way to get to the bottom of it, but it's crazy to even think about. Here's the news. Thanks, Vanessa, on the text line. Uh, this one, Matty, great show as usual. Thank you for that. Uh, this from Power On. Uh, c- coaching the storm after Bellamy is like coming out on stage after Elvis in Vegas. <laughs> He's going to need a very big act. Yes. Well, Whoever comes on in is going to need a big act. By then, I reckon Billy A could be surrounded by grandkids and hopefully not thinking about a preseason. He certainly earned the right. Michael Carianis reporting that the Sydney Roosters, as we mentioned, have thrown a rugby league lifeline to Premiership winner Dylan Napper. Um, it is under it is understood, according to MC, that he's agreed to a second tier deal with the Roosters to be part of their New South Wales Cup squad, with the hope of returning to the NRL. So it's a minimal contract with match payments released from his deal um, with Catalan's Dragons. So Napa reached out to the Roosters last week, according to Michael's report, and the contract a far cry from the 600000 a season that he was earning at the Bulldogs. And the deal is just for the rest of the season. It is understood that Napa was at Roosters training on Tuesday. So there's some news uh, on the Sydney Roosters and Dylan Napa. Uh, coming back to that setup. Uh, don't forget, Bryden's Lawyers, your verdict. Pick one NRL winner each week for your chance to win $2,500. Go to sensurvivor.com.au. In the cricket, England v New Zealand. So the break uh, still well and truly underway, and England need another 90 runs to knock over the Kiwis in this test in Wellington, day five. So when they resume, Joe Root will be heading back out there on 74, not out off 74 deliveries. And Ben Stokes, his skipper, alongside him on 20 off 75 deliveries. So England, five for 168, 90 more, and they have got the job done. All right, Tommy, it's time. We've procrastinated long enough. Uh, I've been trying to buy time. Season starts on Thursday night, and I was going to wait until Friday morning to do my top eight. But we need to get it done now. So the last-minute rush to try and figure out who makes the eight. Do you reckon this year is harder than working out the eight than last year? 100%. Yeah. 100%. Because I think teams have recruited better and some teams have regressed. I said it countless times. I think the Panthers, even though they are still premiership favourites and contenders in my eyes, they've come back to the pack because they lose Abby Coruscant and Viliami Kikau. I think the Seagulls, the Tigers, the Bulldogs, um, and also they all get better. The introduction of another team throws a spanner in the works. Um, the Knights have recruited better. The Warriors have even recruited better. Um, so I think, yeah, the competition, the Broncos have gotten better. I think the competition is a lot, lot stronger than, say, what we saw last year in that 2021 year where there was a massive, massive golf in the competition. Is there one team, before we get to our eights, 
Mark, you've, you're going to dive in on this one as well. So is there one team that you haven't found room for in the uh, eight? Is, yes. there, is there one team in particular that you wanted to put in but just couldn't do it? Yeah, that's your Manly Seagulls because it's the, it's the big question mark. They're right okay. there. They're ninth. All They're right, right there. Um, so that's the one team that you yep. can't find a hole for? For me, ooh, yeah, for me, it's last season's grand finalist, the Parramatta Eels. You can't find a spot for the Eels in the top eight. I have dropped the Eels out of my All righty. The team that I can't find a spot for, and I, I wish I could, is the Bulldogs. Mm. I think they're top eight material this year. That I think they can be top eight material this year. That's the reason why I haven't made them a definite. So I've only made one change to the eight. How many have you made? Yeah, I've only made one as well, which I'm, I'm upset about. Two. You've made two. two. Okay, so history's on your side. All right, who wants to go first? I'll go first. I've got the Panthers finishing on top. I've got the Rabbitohs finishing second. Roosters third and Sharks fourth. Cowboys in fifth. I think Manly come in and come in well, and I've got them in sixth. I think the Eels are there in seventh. And I'm keeping the storm, but just storm in eighth for me. Okay, Mark, do you want to go? Yeah, I have got the Roosters first, Souths second, the Panthers are third. I put the storm into fourth. I originally had them out the eight, but I think <laughs> that's a big leap. I think. Hang on. After the for... news this morning that Bellyache is going to come back for one more year, ah. <laughs> this is the the motivation they all need, and they're really right. going to push on, even without Pappenhausen. Um, you can be fourth. Cowboys, fifth. The Doggies, sixth. Uh, Sharks, seventh. And my sp- well, a bit of a surprise, I've got the Tigers in at eight. I don't mind that, Marky. I don't mind it at all. Okay, so, so those that have come in for you, Tigers. And Bulldogs. And the Bulldogs. And those that are out? The Eels and the Raiders. Okay. okay. Uh, my top eight, Rabbitohs, Panthers, Roosters, Cowboys, Eels, Broncos, Storm, and then Sharks round out the top eight. Eels, Broncos, Storm, and Sharks Sharks round out the top eight. Okay, so those to come in for you is just the Broncos. Is just the Broncos. I wanted to put – see, I can – honestly, Matty, I can realistically see – 12 to 13 teams. If I if I, I try to look in the good in people, I try to look at the good in rugby league teams. If I'm the optimist, the ultimate optimist, I can see 12 to 13 teams in the top eight. But that's not how mathematics works. So we need eight out of eight. So I'm down a bit on the Sharks this year uh, just because, you know, can they really live up to the hype? I think the draw is a little bit tougher for them. Not as, not as easy as it was last year. Still not bad, but... Not as tough. And I think the Broncos, they're just another element with Reese Walsh at the back. I really like their back line. They still got a very good forward pack led by Payne Haas. Pat Carrigan's there, played um, Origin now already. The Cowboys, I think, get so much stronger. Another year in charge. They've barely had, they've had no changes. They, they bring in James Tama, but he's a depth guy. Um, I still really like the Panthers. You're led by Isaiah and Nathan Cleary. And I think the Rabbitohs will have, I'm a Rooster supporter, but I think the Rabbitohs will have an excellent pre, a regular season because. I think, and Touchwood, I really hope, Latrell Mitchell, I think he goes mm. through this year unscathed both um, from a judiciary point of view and an injury point of view, and I think he leads them to, a, to the minor premiership. Oh, you know, one of the biggest things, aside from the other team that I left out, more on that in just a sec, one of the biggest things that I, I, I was tossing around in my head is who finishes first. Who, and my toss-up there was exactly what you were just saying, the Rabbitohs. I think the Rabbitohs could finish as minor premiers this year. 
and it, it came down to me to fall back to what I know at the moment is that the Panthers are one heck of a system, one heck, one heck of a team. So I've, I've got them on top, but I did debate whether or not the Rabbitohs could finish on top. I've just got them sitting in second. Against our top eights, let's take a look at Matty Johns' top eight that he gave us yesterday. I scribbled these down. So he's got the Panthers on top. The Roosters to finish second. South Sydney in third and the Sharks in fourth. Then he had the Storm, Cowboys, Seagulls and Parramatta. So the Raiders go out. So on that front, I'm with him. The Raiders are the team that I can't find any room for. We're, We're pretty much different just in terms of one through to eight. Okay, here's the question. So a little bit different for you, Mark, because you've got two teams coming in. If you've got a free pass for one team that you were thinking about that you could swap out and swap in just as a free pass, so you've already locked in your top eight, who would you swap out and swap in for your eight? Mine's mine's pretty easy. I'd swap out the Sharks and I'd put in Seagulls. (laughs) I'm not confident. I'm you know, not confident whatsoever. You, know I'm not... what? you, you said that under your breath yeah. just because I'm sitting here. I'd take the easier. I'd take out the Tigers, put the Eels back in. Put the Eels back in? Yeah. I'd take out the Storm and put the Bulldogs in. If I if I got my free pass for one spot on it, that's the way that I'd go. All right, let so, us know what you're thinking about those. Yeah, so I've got that one-two battle between the Rabbitohs and Pandas, and I think it's going to be led by their two men, you know, Shock Horror, two of the best, you know, their two top five players in the league, in my opinion, Nathan Clear and Latrell Mitchell. I think... It's going to be Latrell Mitchell who finishes top of the Dallium leaderboard. And I think Nathan Cleary is right there in second. I think they're going to be, you know, it's going to be so close between those two. And maybe Origin, maybe Origin plays a little bit part in who finished higher, maybe injury. But I think Latrell Mitchell wins the Dallium medal this year, leads the Rabbitohs to the minor premiership. And Nathan Cleary is right on his heels. Panthers finish in second place at the end of the regular season. All right. One more. Wooden Spoon. Dragons. Dragons. Dolphins. Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> as a loyal Dolphins fan, I was about, as a, as a I was about to say, fan. I won't be with you on Thursday when you pick your Dally M's as and your try, try scorers. So just just for reference, yeah. top try scorer, Ricky Lee, Dally M, you and Aiken. You and Aiken. Dally M medal. Yeah. I, I've I've said it all pre all off-season. I can't change my pick now. I, I, the Dolphins won't finish bottom four. All Call right. me crazy, but they won't finish bottom four. You're crazy. 0457 736 736. Back out there in the test in Wellington. The figure for England to win this now, 89 runs. 89 runs, so 44 overs gone. Still plenty of time left in this one. Another 50 overs throughout the course of the final day. But England with Joe Root and Ben Stokes still at the crease looking control. It is uh, 13 minutes until midday, which means Jimmy Smith is in the chair does, does the test match, Jimmy, that I've been following with interest, mm. does it make it to the point that you get on air that it's still up in the air? Uh, what do England need? They must need about 80-odd now to win it. They're just currently on a graphic that shows everything else. 85 to win it. Root and Stokes still there. It's amazing, isn't it? <laughs> like if there's – you get five down, you went, oh, righto, game yeah, on here. Game on. And they needed about 150, but it was these two. Like, these two are amazing. Forget about what Joe Root does in Australia, but <laughs> these two are. And he's number 11 on the all-time test run scorers list. Mm. Joe Root, averaging 
50. 50 plus, 50 plus. And strike rate here is being close to a runner ball. I mean, it's drifted out at the moment, 75 off 81. But it's been amazing how this has played out. This Since their partnership has come together, and it'd be towards 90-odd now, their partnership, um, Ben Stokes just played a beautiful shot off the back foot and it's gone to the boundary, has it? Yep, all the way. Um, I- interesting, Stokes has been copying every doozy that you can think of. Right. And at the other end, Root, who's been batting well, obviously, seems to be getting every nice ball. It's it's amazing how it works like that. <laughs> was it, who was the famous English opener? Was it Brian Close? Brian Close, who was a, a legendary county captain and played a bit for England too, but um, couldn't, you know, didn't quite have that step up. And, and he said to a, a bloke at the time, it was the same sort of thing, right? Same bowl as he said at, at the midweek at conference. He said, they're bowling well to me, but they're bowling right <laughs> tripe to you, aren't they? <laughs> so hang on, mate. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, Root's, you know, Root's not getting pies thrown at him, but, no. but every time I look up, I see, I see, oh, look at this one. And it's, you know, it's spinning and it's kicking and it's coming off the glove and it's all this and it's always Ben Stokes at that end. So oh, look at that turn. The that left, is sharp turn. The left hand is copying. That's Bracewell. Yet to yeah. post a wicket, and I'll tell you why. So none for 53, Bracewell at the moment, because Joe Root went from the moment that he came on, even with all the disaster that they were facing this morning, the four wickets that fell, Joe Root went, you're my man. Okay, went after him. You're my man. And that's the bulk of the runs that have come from Bracewell. So another... Um, solid shot on the offside from Stokes, but straight to the fielder. It must pain New Zealand cricket followers every time they see Ben Stokes oh, no. play against them, like especially in New Zealand. Like his old man went across to England to play rugby league. He was captain coach of Workington or something like that. So that's how Ben ended up being qualified for for England. For England. Oh, and here he is. The one that got away. <laughs> Another one that got away. Well, most of them come over this way. Would we dislike him more if he played for New Zealand or England? I think England. Ooh. What about a New Zealander that's playing for England? That's good. Didn't this, we always dislike those This South is uncharted Africa? territory. Yeah, it is. Like, <laughs> I mean, the Irish would sneak in there every now and then and play yeah. for England and they'd be like, oh. Mm. But the South Africans and the Zimbabweans, they used to do it. Yeah. Who yeah. do we dislike more out of those... <laughs> Anything? Yeah. Do we, do the sure. New Zealanders. I'll tell you, about, has any Scotsman ever played cricket for England? Well, he's sure. gone all quiet. Yeah, he's gone oh, all quiet, hasn't he? He's gone all quiet uh, now. He's gone straight hey. to Dr. Google. <laughs> I also dislike the English. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I mean. Like the Owen Morgan must have been there going, oh, I bloody hate the English. But anyway, here we go, lads. <laughs> hey, have you done your top eight yet? Uh, yeah. Yeah. I did it a couple well, – I did it during um, – uh, the summer show with Michael Carianis. And you I must admit, early. yeah, yeah. I must admit, based on what we've – oh, he's hit it straight oh. between two fielders there. Oh. And it's gone through, I'd say, waist high. Yep. Between – they've got a first slip in and a third and a half, and it's gone straight through the middle. That's well, bad, Captain. Well, he's edged two to what would have been third slip. So he's taken it – you're spot on. He's He's taken out second slip and pushed him further around – had he just added just the put third second slip, slip in. just put second slip in, yeah. Had he added the third slip, then straight down his throat. You're not going to defend it. Seventy nine, seventy nine, not out. So I just we just did our our eight. The team that I that I've left out is the Raiders. Yeah. Um, the team that I wanted to put in was the Bulldogs, but couldn't find a spot for. Nah, them. you can't put the Bulldogs. Think think about uh, well, you can <laughs> think about this game coming up this weekend. Fascinating, right? You, you've got. The Bulldogs travelling over to the Brookvale. I've got Manly in. 
Yep. In fact, I'll go, I'll go I, Manly in sixth. I think Manly are a potential top four side, uh, depending on how many games Tommy T plays, right? Yep. So it, you think about who are the two best players for Manly that will be playing there on Saturday afternoon? Your halfback, your halfback and your fullback, yep. right? And what's the one or the two positions that the Bulldogs are struggling you know, oh, so many positive stories about your hooker and about your five eight and about your left edge back rower and and the the uh, also the left winger. They haven't got a halfback. With due respect to Kyle Flanagan, and we don't know about Hayes Perham at fullback. And your two best players on the other side are in those positions, the key positions. Imagine if Flanagan has a standout year. You know, imagine if he has one of those step up years, uh, which I think would be fantastic. It'd be a great story. It'd be awesome. Yeah, it'd be awesome. And. Who knows what happens next? So he's taking on his old man first up. Yeah. How good's that? Yeah. Love to see a bit of banter <laughs> yeah, there. Yeah, Wouldn't yeah. you love to get hold of the text messages? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that that would be good. I think there's great hopes at Bulldog Town for uh, this young bloke, Carl Olawapu. Uh, that they're, they're um, very excited about him. He got the release. Oh, he's oh, dropped it. He's dropped it at first slip. It was a tough oh. one, but he's dropped it at so first slip. Stokes, Stokes has nicked another one, having a – Slash outside off stump, and he's come down the pitch to that, and it's gone. Well, it's gone over the head of first slip, who had to do the acrobats, he got, acrobatics he got, to try and get to it. He got a good get, grab at this. Let's have a look at the replay now. So Matt Henry's been causing trouble for Ben Stokes, and Henry had a bad back, went off, got a thick edge onto it. It's gone over Mitchell, who got a hand oh. to it in full flight, got a hand to it. Oh, that's flying. All right, mate. You better so uh, I'm flying. Yeah, you, you better fly because you've got a show to do. Jimmy Thanks, Smith Matty. coming up. The one and only Timmy Manor will join me tomorrow on the program. I'll be calling the Friday night game right here on SEM between the Warriors and uh, the Newcastle Knights with Timmy and Noddy on Friday. So Tim will join us tomorrow to give us his thoughts ahead of season 2023. And, of course, it's Wednesdays with Webby. So Andrew Webster will be in the house for the first hour of the program. So get your questions locked and loaded, folks. Jimmy Smith is coming your way. So the scenario now, England v New Zealand. And Jimmy will keep you across this. England now needs 68 runs to win. They're five for 190. Joe Root not out 88. Ben Stokes not out 28. So England appear to be heading towards another victory here on day five of the test match in Wellington. Don't forget to tomorrow, uh, Australia v India test number three right here on SEN and Team List Tuesday with the boys later on this afternoon. Jimmy Smith is coming your way. Thanks for all of your input this morning, folks. It's been busy, but we'll do it all again tomorrow at nine. Have a great day.